This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast on a couple of beach towels with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. Today we are joining you or you are joining us in the sunny backyard on Alma Avenue where I live at the moment. We are continuing with this list that we have of 350 good questions to ask. We are now on question 59, and this is one that uh, hopefully has been marinating in Megan's craw since this morning. Uh, I gave her a little preview on this, and it is, What movie quotes do you use on a regular basis? Okay, so if we're going with actual movie quotes, definitely you're killing me, Smalls, from The Sandlot. It is one that I say all the time to everything, inanimate objects and people, and most importantly, myself. Um, It is certainly one that I use quite frequently. Um, I know that there's certain other quotes that I do use but that is the regular basis very easily answered Um, however if I am to figure out how to directly relate this to line dance the closest thing I could say as to someone I quote would be Joe And the reason why I say Joe is because I do certainly use her say yes. I just use it in a different way. Um, Whereas I'll say, I'll say, say yes if your weight is on the left kind of situation. Or um, I did copy Amy in the congratulations. You now are fluent in Megan is how I, I word it. And I did get that from her. Um, so I, I, those would be two line dance related quotes that I use. Just I kind of made it more my own as opposed to actually direct quoting. This one, I don't know if I could relate directly to line dance as quickly as, as yourself. The first th- uh, quote th- <clears throat> that came to mind was uh, uh, the part in Jurassic Park where they say, hold on to your butts. And I think that's because I do a lot of things especially uh, maybe with driving where you should prepare yourself before whatever is going to happen uh, happens. Uh, let's see. During like lessons, I can't think of anything movie or person related that I quote a lot. Uh, yeah. Cause when I, when I get up there, things just happen. I don't even know if I always hear myself. <laughs> Huh. I don't think you do. No. Yeah, I really don't think <laughs> I just do. enter this, like, Zone. yeah, this altered state. Huh. Well, if anything comes to mind, I will mention it. Otherwise, yeah, the movie quote that, that came first to mind was from Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. <clears throat> Number 60. Do you think that children born today will have better or worse lives than their parents? I think in line dance terms, they're going to have more resources for learning uh, as far as seeing what out what is out there that people their age or people like them are doing. They can find step sheets very quickly. 
They can just say it into their phone and have it come up probably on Copper Knob first. Um, they have video lessons from Vivian, too, and uh, Jenny and, and Yvonne, all the Dallas people, Plano, Texas people, uh, Rachel. They've got a, a, you know, a whole bunch of Joe stuff. Uh, which used to just be on DVDs. You know, their parents would have had to watch those on DVD, and now they're on YouTube. You know? So <clears throat> in that sense, they, they will have better technological access lives than their parents. I wonder if there's any way that they're... I guess you know, if, there, if there is a worse, if there is a, even a worse to bring up, it would be... Um, it might be over-recorded. Things might be over-recorded by then to the point that they can't just have like anecdotal stories about things that happened or some crazy trip this one year. Because it, it'll sound bigger and bigger every time you tell it as time gets further from it. But if it's recorded, then it always sucks you back into, well, here's what actually happened, though. It was just a normal thing. And that's, yeah. That's a little despecializing of life to just be confronted with reality as opposed to the mythology of it. So I definitely agree with you in they will have better access to learning dances. I actually err more on the less fulfilling lives than what their parents had. Um, because when certain things are at your fingertips, you tend to take them for granted more. Um, when everything is within reach, it's not as much of a process to earn it. And so I think there's some ownership that's lost when you don't have to put in as much work, you know, for instance, like you scouring the internet to find the accurate uh, representation of what a dance actually is and finding the appropriate step sheet and when it says choreographer unknown in some video or something I feel like there might be a lot more of those choreographers unknown in the future if we're not careful um, I think they'll be better off because I think the scene in the sense of like all the different um, events that they can go to, I think that's going to still be as enriched as it is now, if not more. Um, so in that case, I think it'll be better off because people every year are learning how to make their events better for more people. So I think that's going to definitely improve in the future. Um, I had another thought. Let's see, uh, t -t 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 technology, totally lost it. Yeah, and I was, I was off of something you said and I can't remember. Better or worse in terms of t too much recording of things? Oh yes, the too much recording, thank you. Um, I certainly have a first-hand experienced the... Lots and lots of recording, which can be really good and really fun to reflect back on. But I also have had the experience of not recording and almost had a better time. 
because it was a matter of you had to be there and you got special little things. Like I still remember taking uh, Rebecca Lee's first gimme gimme lesson in Vegas. And I remember certain things that she had done during that lesson that she has carried over to other lessons. But I also remember certain things that she kept special just for that lesson. And I feel like if that was recorded, um, it would lose its appeal. Because I've had the, you're, you're in on the secret feeling. And then when I went to a bigger event, realized that everybody knew this secret. And so then it kind of like made that memory almost a little tainted. Um, and it's hard because I'm on the fence. I love watching what dances get done at events but it does take some of the magic away from the late night dancing of the spontaneity and the craziness that happens when you're in a state of delirious like mindset because you're so exhausted um it takes some of that special memories away when you're able to just post it on facebook and it's like no, you don't understand. You have to be there. It's, it's special. And then here you're talking about how special and amazing late night dancing is. And then you just put it on Facebook for everybody to see. And so it's a little bit upsetting and disheartening that way when you're part of it. Because um, I feel like, as weird as this sounds, you know, we've we've really earned the late night dancing. Like we've we've definitely put in that kind of time. We don't like leaving the ballroom until it's closed. because we want to make sure we have the fullest experience we can, as well as you like writing down the dances that got played, which I like seeing that kind of stuff because then it's like, oh, okay, that got played, that got played as opposed to uh, watching it. Um, and I think that's just more along the lines is because I've had both experiences and I know how special and intimate it can be when there isn't a, a film recording on you. So I think I think going forward, we have to be really, really careful about the recording because, like you said, I think it can take away that special um, feeling of you know, like being a part of something underground almost that I think kids nowadays I think they take the video recording to the extreme so I can see that getting worse in the future another thing that can apply to is the personalities where there is sort of an aura of mystery around people like Guyton or Rachel who you don't see all the time and who seem almost larger than life in ways Whereas the further we get down the line with, you know, all the up and comers, the young Europeans and Maddie and um, some of the people who are more of like this Instagram live stream generation, there isn't that sense that they are, you know, superhuman. They're very human. We see all the things they do on the weekend when they're not dancing because they post about it and they still are very talented and, you know, watching them do their performances at some event, you know, where they're doing hat tricks or really pretty arm extensions or whatever. uh, That's still very impressive, but there's this 
veil that isn't there uh, for them that had been previously on the generation before them. Uh, because we didn't see every little minutiae uh, bit of, of life from Rachel and Guyton and, you know, Scott. Scott occasionally will post that, you know, he cooked something or Joe will post that she did something with her family. But it's so much rarer for them than for the younger folks who are more comfortable sharing everything. So as we go forward, we may see fewer superhuman-seeming personalities and just more very talented humans. And I think there's something cool about the idea of, you know, superhumanness. Um, I mean, from a business perspective, you might say that that's more of a draw because you have to be there in person to experience this uh, unusual man with arm movements as opposed to, oh, no, well, we don't have to go to this one because we see this guy on his live stream like once, twice a week. So, you know, we've, we've had our fill. It's fine. We don't need to pay, a, pay for a ticket to go to another place to see him. If Guyton appears somewhere, like he could show up at like a, a strip mall and, you know, do a, a half hour lesson in the parking lot. And if he gave people enough notice, people would fly out to see him. Like people were going out to Rachel's workshop when she was doing her scale back thing for the family um, focus that she had and people were coming out from way further than you would expect if it was just her normal, you know, every few months workshop where she's also doing a bunch of events along, along the way. Yep. It seems more special. I guess another technological thing that will be better maybe for, um, people coming up in line dance today is stuff like the screens in other ballrooms. I love being able to know what's happening in the other ballroom. So that way you can manage where you are and always be doing something you'd want to be doing. Um, things like DJ feed can also be useful if you're outside of the room completely and, or nextlinedance.com. Um, so you can be outside of the ballroom and on your phone, see what is being played right then. And you can also make requests from your phone uh, that get sent into the same request list as everybody else. Uh, so things like that definitely add to uh, the experience. So it's not just scribbles on a piece of paper. Uh, I'm sure sound quality of speakers is probably getting better as the cost goes down. So little things here and there are becoming... Uh, more equalizing for a big production feel on a smaller budget. I wonder if there's anything else. Unfortunately, kids in the future will probably be seeing less of Joe and Rachel, and that's just sad for everyone. We're already seeing less of Guyton. So, in that sense, children will have worse line dance lives than their parents. Everybody who got to hang out with Joe for the last 20 years was totally spoiled. <laughs> Ditto on Rachel. Oh, yay. Oh, no. Number 61. This is kind of unfair because I just got this, like, in the last couple days from Reddit. But uh, what's the funniest joke you know by heart? <clears throat> I don't know any funny jokes. Did, was that what you said? I don't know any funny jokes. Well, I'm going to say mine then, um, which was from Reddit the other day. And, uh, oh shoot, now I don't remember it. Is it the 
It was the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? You should say it. That way we'll each get half credit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. It's your joke. Well, no, I don't remember. I didn't remember the uh, the first bit that you were saying. I was trying to figure out how did the number one figure in there. But anyway, I guess I'll just do it. Uh, it was something like um, I asked my wife if I was really the only one she'd ever been with. And she said, yes, all the others were at least sixes or sevens. <laughs> Yeah. So you don't know any? Not even like a knock-knock? Not really. Not funny ones. Oh, they don't have to be funny. <laughs> no, it's just... I don't know. I'm not really a joke teller. Yeah, not, not, not really one myself either. I guess if we ever, like, guest host Boots and Buckles, we'll have to get on that. Yeah. Definitely have to, like, do some research on the internet or something like that. Because I don't know any really good ones by heart. There's that other one about... Um, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this because I don't, I've don't. i never told it before. But it's the one about the uh, guy who calls 911 frantically. And he says, help, help. I, I, I was out hunting with my friend and he got shot. And you know, I, I, I think he might be dead. And uh, the dispatcher's like, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Okay, well, you know, first first go back to the scene, make sure he's really dead, and we'll proceed from there. So the guy says, okay, I'll, I'll go do that. So he runs off. There's a loud bang off in the distance. Guy comes back on the phone. All right, now what? That's, that, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. So moving on, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, vegans. It's number 62. When was the last time you felt you had a new lease on life? About two years ago. I believe it. Two years ago when uh finally discovered this bigger world of line dance can be a bigger world for me, too. And uh, kind of learned more about myself and what to appreciate freedom wise so yeah i'd say about two years ago i'd say between two and three years ago because three years ago is when i started going on all these road trips and it was after mavericks closed in 2015 i felt like i had nowhere to go dance wise because i didn't know about circuit yet and i didn't really do the whole davis grad stonies thing as often yet um, so I was trying to figure out, like, I think I, that was when I started doing that night at Dre's and it wasn't, it wasn't the same as Mavericks at all. Concrete floor, big exposed window. So everyone could gawk at you doing whatever you were dancing, small, um, not very many colored lights, some support from the management, but they weren't like dreaming of having a line dance establishment their whole life or anything. It was just kind of something that fell in their lap. And then I started branching out, going down to SoCal, Bakersfield, Fresno, Reno, first time that year. And then in um, Vegas, uh, 2015, I found out that there are all these other places, these other events you could go to. And that's just, my mind was cracked open and all kinds of syncopated goo came out. Uh, 
that was that was my definite huge year of discovery of the bigger world and i felt like it was a, a lot was possible then too it was uh definitely a year in between collaborating with a couple of you know guy friends that uh i would go dancing with at mavericks and you know the year before megan as well before she and i started going on adventures so during that year I was really doing a lot of stuff solo and it 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 gave me kind of an empowered feeling of maybe I could be the person that creates this environment for myself. I don't have to just find it everywhere else and hope that some bar owner, you know, takes these ideas that I have and does something with them. Like maybe I can actually make this make this world, a, you know, a reality. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot that happened in 2016 for me that just kind of gave me a door wide open to whatever I wanted to. So definitely grateful to have the new lease on life. Unfortunately, I have an unwanted new lease on life. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens next. Yeah, I could use a new lease on, like, an apartment. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Number 63. What's the funniest actual name you've heard of someone having? I have an initial one, and it's not, like, a funny name exactly, but, uh, well, no, I got a couple. Okay. Do you have any? I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I remember when I actually read it, I was like, wow, they had some mean parents. Because it was just not nice. And I can't remember what it is now. Yeah, other than all the ones that you see online of people really trying to make their kid's name unique and ensure that no one in the history of humanity has ever had that name before, I would say Benedict Cumberbatch because I love hearing or seeing all the variations that people come up with on butchering his name. And... uh, that that's the one that I would cite as being not like intrinsically funny, but what has happened to it sort of is. I can see that. Also, when uh, I was in elementary school, there was a kid whose name was Jomon, and I think his last name was Tana. That's why his parents called him Jomon, because this was way back in like the nineties when Joe Montana roamed the earth, and that's who they felt strongly about. So they inflicted that upon. Their kid. So see, Joe Montana's still around. He's in Sonoma County. Mm, number. Wait a second. This has to relate to line dance. Guyton Mundy. Now that's a name. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number 64. What charity or charitable cause is most deserving of money? LDF. Go Google LDF. I always forget whether it's Line Dance Fund or Line Dance Foundation. It's probably Foundation. Uh, and in Line Dance terms, they do some good stuff for line dancers in need, especially people who, I, I think the rules are something like, you know, their income is partly dependent on uh, line dance things, and if things happen in their life that prevents them from teaching or DJing or whatever it is that they would normally be doing then LDF comes in and saves them. And I think that's great. Yeah, I'm definitely a big uh, 
promoter of the LDF. Um, isn't there also Kicks for Kids? K-Step for Kids. Oh, K-Step for Kids. That's what it was. I know it was something like that. Um, K-Step for Kids is another one that's a pretty big one. I know in the line dance world. Um, oh, there's a pretty butterfly out here. Um, for me, outside of line dance, I think... Um, because I've had some personal relations with it through very important people in my life. Um, breast cancer awareness is a pretty big one that, uh, I definitely am in support of as well as anything, um, with animal abuse. So if you can support animal, um, like rights or anything like that, I think that's a big thing as well as, um, uh, like adopting animals as opposed to, you know, just breeding. Uh, but yeah, stuff like that I think is what's going to really help change the world. Um, but most importantly, if you can find a cause, any cause at all, I think that's the first step. Something that speaks to you that feels good to know that you helped. Um, and... On the idea of uh, charity, uh, once again, I want to thank every single person who's ever donated to my GoFundMe account. Yeah, that's the one that uh, I was going to cite next in its heyday. It might still be accepting donations. I'm not actually sure, but uh, yeah. So big thanks to Rachel for starting that. Number 65, what TV show character would it be most fun to change places with for a week? Oh boy, I would say maybe the Doctor, Doctor Who. Let's see, most fun. Fun is an interesting choice. Because there's the interesting characters, like you said, the Doctor. I don't think that would be fun for me, though. It would definitely be interesting. Stressful. Yeah, it would. Yeah, right, a lot of running. Um,. I think one of the characters off of Boy Meets World would be interesting, and it could be fun. Um, I'm trying to think of what other like TV shows I really watch that I really, really like. Um, this would not want to be part of Supernatural. That would be terrifying. <laughs> you know who you would do well as? Um, Joey. Joey from Friends. Uh-huh. You think I would do well as Joey? Because <laughs> you could eat all these. You, know, <laughs> you could have pizza and pasta, and that weird dessert that Rachel made, and you'd be hooking up with people left and right, and apparently like not knowing their names because I guess he does that. And but I'm not a very good actor, which I guess helps. <laughs> it would help me fit into the role very well. Um, interesting. I think it'd be more exciting to be Phoebe. Oh, yeah. Personally. Well, she, had a, she had a rough upbringing and her mom killed herself. Well, yes, but she also has a very fun life. Oh, ho. Oh, ho, ho, ho. So, what TV show character, what line dance person? Because now I'm thinking about... Oh! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because you've got some, some oh. interesting swaps. 
Joe, Rachel, and Maddie, like, first ones that come to mind for you, maybe Amy as well. She's seen some things. And she's just really fun. <laughs> okay. I think it would be fun to be Joe for a week because you got to think about like everything that entails in their lives right now. And one, she's amazing. But two, I spent time with both Anna and Tim and they're cool people. So I could see myself really like hanging out with them for the week. I think, I think that would be fun. I think that would be an enjoyable experience. Um, I don't know if I could do Rachel only because she is quite the task oriented individual. She's got a lot of things on her plate (laughs) and how she manages to do them is way beyond me and how she managed to do them so well is unfathomable. And then you add in the fact of that she's pregnant on top of that. Like my brain cannot process like it would be really cool, but like just switching lives with her I think that would be too much for my my little existence to handle um I think Michael and Michelle have got it figured out pretty well one of my top two choices was going to be Michael because when you mentioned how work oriented Rachel is like you know Michael's retired <laughs> right I like a lot of their posts about just really enjoying life and being outside and going for bike rides. And like, I think they've kind of got it figured out. They still do the line dancing. They still do the traveling. They still do the choreography thing, but they're really just enjoying what has been given to them. And I think, I think that Michael and Michelle would be a good choice. Um, It's, it's hard because, like, I want to have the ability to travel and do line dancing events all over the world and teach all over the world. Like, I, that would be a dream come true for me. But if I'm just trading places with someone's life for a week, that doesn't mean I become Joe or I become Rachel. It's like I'm taking their spot. So it's like I have their responsibilities. And so I, I'm really looking at, like, what they have. Um Amy wouldn't be too bad, I think. I think she's got she's got a pretty good gig going on. You'd be able to at least, I mean, it, if not do her job exactly at the pharmacy, then at least... Fake it? Yeah, fake it. I was going to say, yeah. I was like, the fact that I'm working in a pharmacy as a pharmacy clerk, soon to be tech, and she's a pharmacist, yes, yeah, she has a whole lot more responsibilities than me. That's why she had to go to school so much longer than me. Um but yeah, I can I can at least fake that much, um, and you know, I'm a big fan of Lucy. I, I could chill with her dog for a week. Darren ain't so bad. <laughs> Learn some technique. Oh, maybe, maybe that maybe if he's home. <laughs> Maybe I could learn some technique. Um, oh, and then you could uh, talk to your Arizona people. I could. I could hang out with her mom and her sister and the new baby. Yeah. Amy, Amy wouldn't be too bad, I think. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about, like, Jamie's life, but she seems to have a lot of fun. So it'd be, 
maybe switching with Jamie wouldn't be too bad. What would be ideal now would be if I could switch with, like, say, um, Paul and then just hang out with Rachel for a week. Like, that would be cool. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need to take Rachel's life. Just hang out with her for a week. That would be cool. I have no idea what he does for work. It's house-related, I think, but... I- I don't, whatever it is, I don't know why I would not be qualified for it. <laughs> um, so I originally had my top two, which were Michael and uh, Fred would be the other one because I already don't drink at events. So that would be easy enough to do. I don't think I'd be able to do all the advanced things that people would be expecting him to teach. Um, but I think it would be an easy groove to fit into as far as just I'm here having a good time with everyone else and we're all going to dance together for a good portion of the evening afterwards. He's not the type to just hide once the music starts, you know, after his lessons are over. Uh, one that I was thinking, but I might not be able to go quite as hard as him is Trevor because he seems to have a good time down in Florida, but I don't think I'm extroverted enough to be like the host. You know, when, when, when he's down there at, um, uh, I believe it's the barn, you, know, you, you kind of have to be on a little bit and it's easy if that's the kind of person you are to, you know, like take a shot with everyone or, um, you know, introduce yourself to the new person at the bar and then, you know, integrate them with all your friends. But I don't know if I'd be able to do that for a week. Uh, I think I'd be able to do all the flights that Fred does, but oh, yeah. of course it would be a lot easier to, uh, stick with what we've done more of, which is drive. And that's where this dark horse candidate comes in, which is John, which I didn't even think about at first. That would be so much fun. I would love to go on road trips all around the country and see all the different country bars and community center classes and really get a wide view of what line dance means to this country by seeing all of it. That might if if I weren't just, you know, retired, because who's to say that during that week that I switched with Michael, he even has any classes or gigs. I might just really be retired for that week. Right. Um, if it was, you know, an average John weekend, though, or week or weekend, he's probably dancing at least two, three times that week. And that would be that would be fun for me, I think. Plus, he's got all the sparkly things on his table, and that that could keep me distracted for a while <laughs> if I'm not dancing. Yeah. Go Super J Mark. Go Super J Mark. All right, number sixty-six. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to backtrack real quick and say one person I don't think I'd want to change places with for a week, if it's the week of Vegas Dance Explosion, is Doug Miranda because he seems like he has so many things on his plate for six days straight, and probably the day before and the day after. So. Um, Huge props to uh, him and Jackie for managing that production. It is very impressive, and they pull it off so well every year. Number 66, what was cool when you were young but isn't cool now? Achy, breaky heart. I was going to say pogs, (laughs) but I'm old, so there's that. Um, What was cool that isn't cool now? That's tough because I wasn't really aware of line dancing back then. 
I guess the most I could say is, um, I don't know if you'd say cool or uncool or anything like that, but just the outfits. It was very country oriented when I was a kid, since that was the eighties. Um, so that's definitely something that's not quite as fashionably chosen nowadays. So, yeah, I guess that would be the closest thing I could think of. Black-eyed peas. There were a lot more black-eyed peas-related dances, like Pump It, and now you don't really hear as much from like Fergie or Will I Am or whoever else was in that group. I'm trying to think what what else was big in line dance then, and it also depends what we mean when we were young. Because mm. there's still hip hop stuff, just like there was when Guyton was bringing it all in. There's still funky stuff like Scott doing things. Mm. Definitely, still traditional country. Definitely still traditional country. Props, because. And maybe this even predates us, but Evelyn apparently used to bring props <coughs> to Boots and Buckles Dance Club. Back in the day, she'd bring a suitcase full of stuff, and she would have props for different dances. And we don't see that now. You know, there's do something crazy with the towel, but that's more functional. So I think that would be fun to see. Occasionally you see people bring out fans for Come Dance With Me, depending on what group it is, or clappers, the little... Um, the stick with the hands on it and people shake it back and forth and it makes a hand clap sound for hand clapping. Um, I don't see the people who do hand clap Bracken and Brandon's dance. I don't see them use it for that as much, but for hand clapping, um, the lower difficulty level or complexity level, um, people like to have that prop of boots and buckles. I was going to say, um, and again, I'm not so sure about the cool versus uncool, um, uh, more so much as it's, you just don't see it as much, but um, the way step sheets were put together, how they'd say the counts versus the steps, how they'd say, um, oh, I can't remember how it's worded, but like prepared by or something like that versus who the choreographer is. Um, they'd have signatures on the step sheets. I liked the little stories. Michael did a lot of this of, you know, how it came to be, why it's titled Hey Bruce, you know, things like that. Yeah, um, definitely stuff like that, as well as um, I know on some of the older ones, they have the um, other dances choreographed by so-and-so include, and then they'll list, like, the other dances that you can look up those dances. Um, I can definitely tell you something that is obsolete. Cassette tapes. Cassette tapes, yeah, definitely. It's more of a flash drive world now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I can't think of what else really is was cool and isn't cool now. More is just uh, times have changed. Yep. Yeah, definitely feeling the lack of hats, cowboy hats out there. I still wear mine to Stoney's once in a while. Number 67. Oh, well, okay. If you were moving to another country but could only pack one carry-on-sized bag, what would you pack? Well, we pretty much do this every time we fly Frontier or Spirit. <laughs> right, I was just thinking, I was, like, I was like, oh, this is easy. Pretty much anything I bring to a dance event. I have my dance-specific outfits and my dance shoes 
and then my lip sense products and you know obviously your regular toiletries but if I'm moving there I can always just buy them once I get there too for toiletries so yeah pretty much um, I would definitely pretty much do that trying to think if there's anything that I would grab since I'm moving and I'm not coming back. Um, I would definitely grab the, uh, the books I made us for Christmas, the Our Adventure So Far book, which has all the pictures of what we've done so far. Um, that means a whole lot to me. And yeah, for the most part, other than that, the last eight months, I haven't really, I guess it's nine months now, um, I haven't really accumulated anything that I couldn't afford to lose. It's a very eye-opening experience but last October that has definitely changed a lot of my perspectives in purchasing things. It's uh, made it to the point of like, if Either A, I have to have a serious attachment to it, or I can't have any attachment to it if I'm purchasing it. Um, that I would be devastated if I lost it. Yeah, I could definitely leave most things. Um, <clears throat> it would be easy to replace some of the dance shirts that we have, even because you know people like Amy and Darren, Fred, they're always putting out new shirts. They'll get new stock if we if we can't bring the, what we have. I would probably bring my Rachel shirt that she gave me her older one yes. uh, the v-neck that says like world of dance Rachel or something like that uh, <clears throat> all my recording equipment so the laptop microphone uh, mini recorder with those microphones I don't even think I'd bring my guitar whatever it is I do when I get there I can um, either not do guitar anymore or just buy a new one um but yeah, this laptop is worth bringing along with the external hard drive. Uh, maybe bring the GoPro, I guess. Even then, I'm not like married to it. Uh, dance shoes. Though I could even buy new ones of those. I haven't personalized them or anything. Probably my expensive jeans, my two pairs of jeans. Those will just be all the pants I wear. Oh, no, 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 my gray pants. My big, <laughs> my big loose gray pants. I'm not losing those. I've had them 10 years. You've, you'll just be flying in them. Let's yeah. be honest. You generally do fly in them. That'll be my top layer. I'll put them over my jeans. Uh, uh, I mean, I could bring my hats or not. I'd be okay with not. That would be fine. Uh, and most stuff is replaceable. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff is replaceable. It's weird. We we keep all these other things anyway, though. Um, I mean, I could buy a new printer. I'm trying to think of, like, big things that stand out. If I'm trying to picture my room, um, I could get a new printer, get a new table, get a new... I don't even use my little 88-key MIDI keyboard. I've been holding on to that amp for years, like 10, 15 years now. I've had that amp, and I don't use it. Oh, I've got shelving... I don't even look at photos. Most of that stuff's online now, so I don't really need to bring a lot of photo things. Uh, maybe some of the cards you gave me if I have room, because they, they have nice messages and they sparkle. Pretty much all of them have glitter on them. Uh, oh, 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 oh. If I don't... Um, oh, hey, it's the yellow jacket. Hello. Uh, if I don't back it all up online first, 
my binder of all of the dances I've written from events and bars for the last three years because that's not easily replaceable. And that's a lot of work. So some things I might leave behind in my other binder, like all the flyers I've collected from different places, um, and I would probably want to find a way to preserve all of the old newsletters that people gave us and um, line dance-related memorabilia that we would want to put into some kind of you know museum. But we don't have to have the museum come with us. We could always establish it and then leave it behind for people to access. But I want those lists either backed up or with me because that represents hundreds and hundreds of man hours of writing. So that would be one. That would take up a good chunk of the bag, but I think it's worth it. Irreplaceable for sure. What else? Yeah, most things are most things are really seriously replaceable. Like you can buy them once you get there because it's not like you know you are going to outer space yet. Yeah. Oh, 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 though. We have to bring our buckles. And I would bring my jackets as well. Yes, definitely the buckles. But again, that's that's stuff that I think about, like, I would be wearing that. Exactly. Yeah. So like my pants. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of what would I need to pack because I wouldn't already be wearing it. So, and the only reason why I say my dance shoes is because, you know, I'd rather not have to replace a good pair of dance shoes if I don't have to. Because um, they can get expensive. But again, it's one of those things that, you know, you could do without. If if I were able to return things to wherever I bought them the way I return things at Costco and get the full amount that I spent, there are so many things I would just say, all right, uh, I'll, I'll just rebuy this when I get over there. But this particular item, I have no attachment to. Like that black pair of shoes that you gave me is great. It's exactly like the pair that I bought for myself, but like a half size more appropriate for my feet. I when this pair wears out, I'm going to get another one and I won't really, you know, I'm not going to like frame my old ones. So yeah, I, I, that's actually, I think it's a good way to live because when things do happen, like a fire, a fire uh, you, you want to minimize the amount of emotional impact losing things will have on you. Yeah. Mostly, mostly what it is is like those few little trinket photo albums of like your family or something like that that's harder to come by um which is why again the first thing i thought of was that photo book uh because go ahead well even then you were able to make it online from photos available online so we could always if we had to make a new one exactly the same yes true but it's also the idea of like if i was going to pack a bag anyways that would it's it's also the idea like that would be one thing that i would grab just grab it's not like I wouldn't even think about it um the rest I'd have to be like do I need this do I want this can I get this somewhere else and you know now that you mentioned it I was thinking um that book would take up space that I would otherwise um be able to fill with something like my dad's old leather jacket that he wore on his first date or if not first date then one of the dates that he was on with my mom like, I wouldn't want to lose that. But on the other hand, I hang that thing on the wall. Like, I don't wear it unless it's cold out. So nothing says that I'm setting fire to all the things that I'm leaving behind. It just means I'm not bringing them to that country. So that really opens up a lot because, yeah, I, it would not be one of those items that I would return to Costco, so to speak. But also, I don't necessarily need it with me for daily use. So it can just go somewhere, somewhere safe. 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm trying to think if there's anything else dance related, line dance related. Moving to another country, we can only pack one carry-on size bag. What would you pack? I mean, we could always get a new boogie bag, Red Garter Saloon bag. I would try to pack a Wine Country Line Dance bag. I like those. They're very sparkly. Uh, as we already mentioned, most of the shirts are replaceable because they just keep making new ones of the same design every year, other than the Rachel one, or ones. Um, we don't really have any, like, irreplaceable Guyton shirts. We don't have any Guyton shirts. You have a shirt. I have a Guyton shirt. I have his Fake It Till You Make It shirt. Oh, right, right. Uh... Yeah, we already mentioned the buckle. I wouldn't need my hats, probably. Don't need my boots. I mean, I like my boots. I never wear them, though. <laughs> so, probably wouldn't pack them. Music. I mean, everything's digital now. I don't need to bring my CDs for choreography music. Yeah, laptop covers so much. Yeah, I, I mean, you got to think about it, and it's like, realistically... There's not a not a whole lot of stuff that I would absolutely have to have, um, because again, I've already lost most of it anyways. So it's like, and I've lived without it for the last nine months. So I'll survive if there's something that I don't bring. When the fire happened, did you grab your phone and bring that with you, or was it in the house? No, that was actually with me. Because it's one of those things that um, neither of us mentioned it. I guess it's just a part of our arm now. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's the idea that um, I was messaging my friends as we were leaving, and I was letting them know we're leaving the house now. So it was already in my hands, and then I just slide it in my back pocket. So it's it's certainly replaceable, but it was just one of those things that like I had already had because I was I was doing my mental check off list, and it's like, oh, let them know you're leaving and you're safe, so they stop worrying. You know. I'm just imagining somebody at home listening right now, thinking, yeah, he said his laptop, but what about his camera? And then I responded in my head, well, you know, I don't have a camera, I have my phone. I'm like, wait, why didn't we mention our phones? Yeah, it's just part of us. Yeah, it just I guess that's one of those instinctual things where it's just nowadays, just like you'd have to, you know, in theory, put on clothes, you'd grab the phone. Um, which implies that then I'd also grab my charger. Uh-huh. <laughs> not again, not that you can't replace it, but yeah, I, w- I was thinking more of along lines of like what I would have, like couldn't, and it's even hard to say like couldn't survive without because all of it I can survive without. It's unfortunate and it's a pain. Um, cause like, then you think about the fact that you're flying somewhere um, you're already going to have your ID and your wallet on you because you have to check in. And then again, you know, you have your phones because we do the online boarding passes. So we would already have our phones. So it's not something that I think about as in like the, oh, I need to put this away um, in my carry-on bag. Uh, you know, a couple small things that we could easily just wear um, once we get past the metal detector. That would only cost a couple bucks to replace if we had to, but I'd rather not. Are our name tags from from Luann and from uh, Boots and Buckles? Yeah, I was thinking about those. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting response to this question as to who I am now versus who I was this time last year. This time last year, I probably could have named like, oh my god, but then there's this, but then there's this. Um, 
But at the same time, I might not have thought about it also because, like you said, it's not saying, like, you know, you're never going to see it again or you're destroying it. Because that's the thing is, like, if you add in the fact that it is either going with you or it is disappearing, changes your perspective a little bit on, say, like, the jacket. But again, you can wear the jacket, you know. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, if, if it would disappear after you leave... Does that change the equation at all? Number 68. What's the most ironic thing you've seen happen? That's tough. That's a really specific question. It's the kind of thing you can identify when it's happening, but it's hard to say after the fact. Yeah. I'm going to say my life. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't... Like... It's hard to, like, pick something that's like, oh, this is the most ironic thing ever, and... Yeah, I can't really think of anything. I would say maybe any of the times when fortunes have changed for us. Like, our stuff takes turns, usually. When something's... When your car isn't doing well, or it needs something prevents you from driving for whatever period of time that's like right when I just solved something in my driving so now I'm the one who takes us everywhere but then something happens to me for a month or two and and then it's your turn because you fixed your thing that needed to be fixed and you drive us everywhere and I borrow your car and sometimes it hits both of us at the same time and we just cry (laughs) hit us at the same time no. though it's very very rare and rare. if it does one of us is on the brink of solving it so it's a very very short period of time so we're only taking risks for like a week yeah. yeah yeah pretty much that's the only thing i can think of yeah you know okay so you know ironic um right before like very shortly before my car was um made inoperable in 2015, I believe it was, 2016, 2016. I was driving a Toyota Corolla back then, and I had just, of course, replaced all the tires for hundreds of dollars, and then the car had to be sent off somewhere far away um, because it was no longer drivable. So that was unfortunate. But then this time around... When I have a slow leak in one of my tires on the Buick, and the front two, uh, three, that tire and two others are all balding, um, I was about to replace them for however many hundreds of dollars, and then it gets sideswiped, and I can't get in and out of my driver's side door. So I saved myself, this time, those hundreds of dollars on the tires that I spent on the Corolla last time. Yes, you saved yourself two or three hundred dollars. However, you bought yourself a new car, so then you spent more money. Oh, it needed to happen. One of these days, I'm going to make that list of all the things wrong with the Buick since the time I bought it, and all the things we replaced. Maybe even do a little side thing about how many hundreds of dollars I put into it because I was saving so much by buying a $1,000 car. Now I have this car. Things are good. It's got air conditioning. Just in time for you to have to find a new place. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then there was the the time that you got a nail something wrong with your tire and it was the one that wasn't covered. The one where all the other ones if you get a nail and they'll replace it for free. 
But no, you had to you had to have the problem with the other one. <laughs> yeah, the one that I needed to replace was the one that got skewered. Um, since the one that wasn't covered under warranty. Yeah, that's my life. Ironic. Now we each have one. Yay, cars. Number 69. Oh, well, actually, I wonder... Okay, here's another ironic thing. I rolled my ankle on a dance called Do Something Crazy. (laughs) While you were jumping in the air trying to catch a towel. Yeah. Yeah, that's appropriate. That's appropriate. <laughs> Had to be on that. It couldn't be like poetry in motion. I'm like, well, how did that even happen on a dance like poetry? No, it was do something crazy. So I did something crazy, and I couldn't dance for a few dances after that. Number 69. If magic was real, I think that's supposed to say if magic were real. That's the subjunctive tense. I learned that from friends. Or maybe it was the spinoff Joey. It was a clip I saw on YouTube. Anyway, if magic were real, what spell would you try to learn first? Either teleportation or flying. So that would be Accio whatever in the Harry Potter world. Yes. One of those. That that was definitely teleportation or flying. Are you allowed to Accio yourself to places or is it only other things to you? I don't know. I don't remember. That would be a question for our friend Catherine. Although now that I think about it, they had to use the fireplace for transporting themselves somewhere. Right, right. So I wonder if there isn't an easy teleportation spell for them. But that's very limiting to just one field of magic. I mean, they're just saying if magic were real, it could be anybody's magic. It could be like Marvel Comics magic. Scarlet Witch did all kinds of crazy things. What about you? Uh, what spell would I try to learn first? Ah, first is an interesting question. I don't think I need flight immediately. I feel like I'd become a target and then the FAA would lock me down as soon as they could catch me and I'd have to answer all these questions. It'd probably be a spell that no one knew that I was doing. So something sneaky, something under the radar, not obvious. Real, what spell would I try to learn first? I don't know. I wouldn't want to like manipulate or cheat anyone. I'm trying to think what would benefit me to be able to do via magic that I couldn't do by other means. If magic were real, what spell would I try to learn first? You know, it might be interesting, and it would also make me a target. I would have to do this in a very safe environment, and I would have to have a time limit on it so that if I got into the state, I, I could get myself out of it automatically. I would like to know what it's like to be animals, different kinds. I would want to know, is being a bee something that I would really enjoy, or a hummingbird? Uh, or a spider? Do they live in a constant state of fear? What about goats? I love goats. What about dogs? Cats? Like when you say, am I a dog person or a cat person, which one do you feel better in the skin of when you are that animal? So that could be interesting. Uh, oh, and if you want to get real weird with it, being another person. That's where you get into the uh, the weird aspect of it. That's, that's why... Um, there are certain things like, I don't know if I'd want to do something like mind control. That's not really nice or fair. Um, but just the sensation of being in a different body, I think, would give you empathy in a way that you couldn't just by trying to imagine what it's like to be 80 or whatever. You know, when, when people say that they have all these life issues and problems, you could actually step into their shoes and be them, probably away from them, because they would get really weirded out by that if they saw you being them. Um, 
But if you were able to just poof yourself into their life and think the way they do, essentially just play out their life as they normally would if they appeared somewhere, and then, after a given amount of time, poof back into being yourself but having the memories of being that person, then you're not trying to do things differently from them or uh, be an imposter of any kind or you know influence things so that you can give yourself a raise or whatever if you try to be your boss. But just really try to be them and see what does that feel like. For the people who put on like a strong front, do they really have a lot of suffering going on on the inside that they try to hold back and that just makes them cranky all the time? Um, I think that would be a very powerful thing to try. But you really have to be careful how you do it. Um, I would definitely disagree with that because I know how secret my thoughts can be and how consuming stress can be for me, even though it doesn't look like it. So I'd be very hesitant to say, want to like know the thoughts of your dark side of your mind. Um, there's a lot for like me to handle in my own head that I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily want to know what like actual self doubts you actually really have. I think it would, I don't know. It's almost like in my mind, it's a breach of trust to just invade someone like that. Well, I think as opposed to just being in their life, like I don't know if if I would want to live, say, you know, whatever Trump's life is for whatever period of time. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to do that from the white house perspective, but if I just happen to be at like uh, a park or whatever and, and just poof, you know, now I'm experiencing life as him for a few minutes I wonder if it would change my outlook at all on the way he feels in his frame. Like, is he trying to compensate for anything, or is does he believe things that he isn't allowed to say? I think it would be, um, it, it would it would be a way to more deeply understand people that try to prevent you from understanding them. I think it would really. It would be hard to find a person whose life you stepped into who made you feel worse about being that person afterward. Because they all probably have something going on that's worrying them. And then you'd want to be kinder to them. Like, what if I did step into your life for a bit and I found out what it's really like? Maybe I'd give you an easier time about little things that I don't need to give you a hard time about. Who knows? I'm trying to think if there are any other spells come to the top of my mind. I don't want to use Crucio or any of that. I like the idea of talking with animals. That'd be cool. Like, I wouldn't necessarily need to be an animal, although that would be really cool, too. Um, talking with them. That would be cool. I don't know. Can't think of anything else that would, like, really come to mind that, like, I feel like I would need to do. Ooh, you know it would be kind of nuts? Um... I don't even know how you'd do this. And it's really getting more into superhero territory now, but like if you could do telepathy 
beyond this planet and just send out a signal and be like, hey, uh, it's like a, like a big you know universal chat room. Like, this is me. I'm on Earth. Uh, what's going on out there? What's life like? Is there anyone out there? You would know instantly because it would transcend speed of light travel and whatever else. You know, it would, it would just be magic, just like you're talking to animals but talking to aliens. Water bending would be kind of cool. I think that'd be kind of a neat trick. Oh yeah, if I had weather control, you could change entire habitable regions so that like you buy up land cheap and then start bringing in things like rain <laughs> and now you don't need air conditioning and all the other things that you would normally have for that place. And there's so much ocean water. I think we can spare some for evaporation and cloud creation. Dance-wise, I'm still trying to think if there's anything magic that I would need other than just perfect recall of like every dance, whether or not I ever actually learned it. But then where's the fun in that? You know, there's something there's something earned about learning a dance. Any dance ones for you? Magic. Magic and dance. I don't know. That's that's kind of hard because in its own way it is magic because it's able to connect to so many different people and express so many different emotions and um what what would be the magic was real what would be the first spell I learned maybe like a time travel one where that event would have been perfect but you said the wrong thing and that just changed everything I wonder how that how how different that could make things if you could go back to that event and maybe it creates a separate like splintered off timeline and you just jump back into yours afterward but you wouldn't even have to say like oh i'm looking forward to fun in the sun this year and then after that windy city this year it's like no just do windy city 2016 every year and you know on a random Tuesday when you wish there were dancing, just do Windy City again (laughs) and go into the request room and request something different from the time that you went back to Windy City last time and just keep changing, like Groundhog Day almost. Keep changing the same event and relive it in a whole bunch of different ways and you're like, okay, well, that was fun. Let's let's do Florida Line Dance Classic this time and let's see what happens if I make this choice instead. And you'd end up creating a huge mess for the universe with all the different splinter... Um, pocket universes that are cluttering the continuum, but it'd be fun. Yeah, I saw that episode of The Flash. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It did not fare well for the long run. A lot of things changed when he came back to his time. A lot of things changed. So, uh, yeah. I'd be very careful about the the impact of going back in time. Um, if I could do the back in time and just be a visitor, that would be different. Like if, if my going back in time had absolutely no effect on the event whatsoever. Um, and I could just be like a fly on the wall kind of thing. That could be cool. 
that could certainly be cool. But I don't know. I'd be scared of changing anything because, like, you say one wrong thing and then potentially there's, like, no Rachel. And that's just, that's just way too scary for me. So, um, yeah, I, I would be very scared to mess with uh, the past. Well, that's why I would do it in, in the alternate reality version. It would be just a place that you visit, not affecting the main timeline. Anytime you say, like, oh, God, this is getting way too weird. Uh, let, let's try this again next week. I'm just going to go back to my normal time. And then... The next time you do it, you go back to Thursday, the first night of the event. Nothing that you changed last time has, um, yeah, nothing, nothing stuck because you've gone further back than any of those things. And yeah, you just choose a different path. I like the choose your own adventure, uh, way of doing it. Number. Oh golly. This is very related to the last one. Number 70. If you were a ghost and could possess people, what would you make them do? Say it. I say smile more when dancing. I like to know that people are having a good time when they're out on the floor. Um, maybe myself included in that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, I really can't think of anything that I would, like, force someone to do. Because that's so not what I would want to happen to me. Yeah, this is definitely one of those golden rule kind of questions. Like... Is there anything benevolent someone could do to possess me that wouldn't come back and hurt me? Because, like, let's say you try to win a competition by having a master dancer do whatever they need to in your body. Well, great. Now you've won, and people are expecting you to do that again. Can you? No. (laughs) They're not always going to be around. At some point, you have to actually be good. So what could somebody possess me to do? that I wouldn't do on my own. Well, that's the thing is I can't, I don't want to answer that for what I would do to someone else unless it's something I'm willing to have them do to me too. If it's like one-time things like passing a test, even that's pretty unethical because the test presumably is showing that you know how to do something in that field. So when they're gone and you're in that field, again, what do you do? Like you're not qualified for it. You didn't pass the test. You wouldn't have anyway. Maybe tedious work, if there's anything that you just need to get through. Yeah, maybe that could work. Let's say I'm in a field that I don't like and somebody else is in a field they don't like, but we each like the other person's field and we don't have those job opportunities in our own area. Then we could possess each other, do the work, and then switch back when it's time to go home. As long as nobody cares that it's you doing it and you're always available to switch, that might work. trying to think if there's anything mean that I would have answered when I was like 14 like do the do the whole government differently because I got all the answers I got it all figured out yeah Uh, if I were a ghost and I could possess people oh you know okay Um, I might make some safety based choices for drivers benefit (laughs) I might just while they're doing crazy things on the road I might jump in pull them over (laughs) and just park (laughs) exactly take like a melatonin or like a a, a NyQuil (laughs) 
just be like, all right, you chill here for a minute. We all want to live and then get back on the road. Yeah. Or, you know, that would be a good way for uh, road trip buddies to switch off is you just don't switch. <laughs> just have the more awake person jump into the driver's body and then the other person gets to sleep. Because sometimes you just need a mental break. Dance-wise, ghosting could possess people. What would you make them do? I don't. I I care too much about the people in the community to make them them do something they wouldn't want to do. I would help them if they felt like there was something they couldn't do, but making them do stuff is pretty messed up. Yep. Yeah. All right. Number seventy-one. What goal do you think humanity is not focused enough on achieving? Line dance in space. Totally stole the words out of my mouth. Yeah, definitely line dance in space. No, um, outside of line dance. There's an outside of line dance. There is an outside of line dance. I mean, we're outside, but we're still line dance. True Enjoying story. Some sunshine under the trees here. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. It's such a tough like topic but I guess um, like equality is a big thing for me but inside line dance definitely line dance in space it needs to happen it really really does (laughs) Um, I try to think of what else that could be like we need to focus on because we already really do a good job of focusing on having fun and challenging ourselves and learning new things and traveling and meeting new people and just really broadening horizons when you're, um, you know, traveling the circuit. Yeah, I can't. Maybe you have something. Well, I really think that space travel is a legitimate thing that humans um, could put more focus on because one asteroid and we're done. Like, we have nowhere else. Maybe the people who are up in the space station will live a little bit longer, but they don't have a planet to land back down on and their resources are finite, so they would die too. Um, We need a more backup... uh, We need a, a backup plan for humanity beyond what we currently have. And that should be somebody's priority somewhere. Hopefully privatized space travel will take care of it if government stuff is too slow. Uh, Equality is tricky because it also means the the groups that you don't like get an equal voice. And I mean, there are things we hear about now that just weren't voiced before, but because of the internet and people in these little niche groups getting together virtually they empower each other and for us for line dance that's great it means we have all of us you know weird people in tiny pockets everywhere feeling like we're part of uh, a huge global community that also applies to people who want to do bad things to people and before the people in their local area would say, that's a bad thing. Don't do that. We discourage your behavior. Be more like us. We're all cool. And they would hopefully either just quiet down or actually adopt the views of the people around them. Um, now they can say, well, forget all you people in my town. I have people off in like Germany or Canada or wherever 
who think like I do. And that, that makes me feel like I shouldn't give up these bad ideas and that I should hurt people and, um, and that that's okay. Cause all these other guys say that that's fine. You only need a few to feel validated. And the internet gives you more than a few. So I don't know about equality. But I would say that more work could be done for empathy and really actually trying to understand other viewpoints. Because it seems like there are some folks who look at the side that they are already on and they at least understand why people who think opposite they do uh, opposite of what they do they understand why they think that way but they have enough logic and experience to understand why that's not universally preferable the people on the other side don't even go that far and they just say no 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 all i need is my viewpoint if i even consider your viewpoint that weakens my viewpoint and i can't have that uh, you're just feeling, trying to fill my head with lies and fakeness. And um, that is a problem. There should be at least enough accepted common ground for the two of them to have a conversation um, based on some things that both of them can agree are true. But it, it seems like more and more at least one side isn't even willing to get into the conversation they just want to believe that all people on the other side are terrible and anything that kind of sounds like it could be from the other side is immediately false that that's very frustrating for me so uh, that is something that i think human humanity could be more focused on achieving is a sense of um, you know universal communication and empathy and actual attempts at understanding why other people are the way they are Dance-wise, humanity is not focused enough on achieving... Hmm. I don't know. I think we do a good job of balancing the classics, um, trying to find out what the real names of dances are, teaching to the step sheet, representing dances that um, need tutorial videos or demo videos. People put them out. Uh, he's not focused enough on achieving line dance community is not focused on achieving oh oh, 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 here's one I don't think the line dance community is focused enough on developing real two way relationships with musicians Joe has done it with Scooter very few others have we take the music we dance to it and then we share it and post videos and whatever but I I very seldom hear about people trying to reach out to the musicians and try to get them in on this community. We just kind of do our community and we assume that they don't care. That it's too, it's too small for them. They wouldn't be interested. Uh, or maybe they're too hard to reach. But I think that it would make everybody happier if we could get permission to use the music and... Uh, strengthen each other by saying, yeah, we'll, we'll totally go to your concert. We love hearing your music pentatonics. Um, and you know, we'll pay to see you guys when you come to our town. Would you be interested in coming and singing some covers of 
the stuff you already do and, you know, your original stuff that we dance to, but also maybe, you know, coming up with some new stuff that we could choreograph to. I don't see enough of that. I would love to see more of that. People complain online about how, oh, I got copy strikes, copyright strikes again because I posted music that the artist isn't, uh, you know, isn't sharing. But I think if there were attempts to communicate with those groups, maybe support more local or indie or whatever smaller um, musicians, then they would give you full permission. They would think it's great. Yeah, dance to this, post videos, share my music so that other people will listen to it. And then maybe they'll go to my, my shows as well. But there isn't enough support for the small guys. So then it gets to the point of like, well, why does Maroon 5 care about earning two extra dollars from your video? And they, they could just say, don't don't share it and then spend all the money on their album. So yeah, a little combination of develop a strong relationship with musicians in general and also support the little guy. That was number uh, 71. Oh, here's a big one. 72, answer at your own risk. What problem are you currently grappling with? Housing. Same. (laughs) It's expensive out here. Financial issues. Yeah. Maybe I should talk to Simon. <laughs> what does Simon do? Housing? He's oh, finances. finances. <laughs> I was still thinking of housing. No. No, you should talk to Rachel. Maybe she'd get you an affordable home. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big one right now. Um, in the community right now, I would have to say um, I'm excited but there was a little bit of a dry spill spell of new dances I wanted to learn. Since Eurodance, there's been a couple that's made my list. So I'm glad that that is no longer the problem it was. Um, finding new, really good, catchy beginner dances to teach yeah. is another one that I'm kind of fighting with. It's a temporary problem. Um, because it's hard be, you know, not everything is going to reach everyone and not everything is, um, something that like, for instance, our country night is going to enjoy. So yeah, that would be about that. Yeah. I also have had, um, some temporary questionings of things and just in the community trying to be um more excited by some of the music that comes out for choreography we 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 put what we can into spotify playlists and sometimes we want to listen to them on loop other times it's like three three plays and it's like oh yeah i can't do anything to that because i wouldn't want to hear it any more than this um and then when dances come out it's like the new thing so kind of feel like you're supposed to learn it you should learn it and then even if you do learn it you're like I don't really want to keep this it didn't feel like anything when I did it I don't need this emotion right now compared to other emotions I'd rather be feeling which is like maybe upbeat poppy sounds instead of this like chill pop that we're getting or really poignant sad stuff or whatever it is Um, finding songs to request when we go out to socials and, and country bars finding older dances that 
we see late at night and be like, wow, why don't we know that yet? And it's happened a couple times. Like we both learned free falling finally. Um, I learned feed the fetish and you learned that as well recently. But it seems like um, because it, it's kind of like when people say, oh, music was so much better in the 60s. Well, that's because you're only listening to the best stuff that came out. You know, you have thousands and thousands of songs that were released and you're only listening to maybe like the top hundred, but there was a ton of stuff that didn't stick around for good reason. And that's kind of where we are with dances where we have learned a bunch of stuff that people have suggested and we're happy with having learned them. There are also some other ones that we were like, okay, we'll get to that one. Eventually they do seem to play this one a lot but it's a different feeling than the big hit stuff that was popular for a reason that we have already learned. So we're kind of like making our way down the totem pole, it seems. And that's kind of where I am with choreography right now. I was like, well, I got to do it myself, I guess, you know, find a new track and dance the dance that I want to be dancing. Cause no one else is making that kind of dance right now. Usually it would be Rachel, but she is otherwise uh, indisposed. Yeah, problem currently grappling with. And the finances, of course, to get to these different events. Yeah, there there are probably others, but, you know, we, we don't want to lay all our, our issues on you guys when you're kind enough to take your time to listen to us while you're on your way to somewhere in the car, probably. Yeah, any other light problems you can think of? Light problems? Um... I wouldn't say light problems, but dealing with FOMO. Oh, yeah. For some of these events, it has been difficult. Yeah. Um, Eurodance, I definitely felt some FOMO for. Fear of missing out for the uninitiated. Um, I'm also having a little bit of trouble right now with Indie X slash uh, Freedom in Line. Yeah, that was one we were supposed to go to. We were supposed to, yeah. And Reno this weekend. Yep. So... Yeah. Instead, we're out in the backyard enjoying the sun and recording. So, not a bad backup plan to our backup plan to our failed plan, <laughs> but still. Let me see if there's a happy question after this one. Uh, well, let's see if we can get to number, let's say 75. 73, what character in a movie could have been great, but the actor they cast didn't fit the role? I'm going to immediately say Hayden Christensen in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Episodes 2 and 3 of the Star Wars mega trilogy. I was going to say anything that they cast Scarlett Johansson in. I like her. I don't! She was really good. I was watching clips from Iron Man, and she was good as the, oh, I'm just the secretary. Okay, I'm going to write, write these things. And, oh, your 4 o'clock is calling. And then she goes off into, like, super spy kick-butt mode. I don't know. There... I was less than impressed with her as Black Widow. The one role that I thought she did really, really well in was We Bought a Zoo. Like, I was sold by her performance in that one. Have you ever seen the movie Her with, I think, Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, it's been a while, but yeah. Yeah, she plays the AI in that. I highly recommend it. I should rewatch that. Um, another one. Anything uh, Kristen Stewart is casted in. <laughs> Anything she's casted in. Her best role in, for me was uh, Zathura when she was frozen for 90% of the movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> but other than that, yeah, I can't really think of characters would be great if someone else played them. Yeah, I really would have liked to see a different Anakin. But some of that was the writing also. Yeah. He and did come across as a little whiny, though. From what I remember, and you know that kind of applies to Jake Lloyd as Anakin as well uh, in episode one. But from what I remember of Natalie Portman in the first couple Thor movies and Edward Norton in the first Hulk movie, like, okay, this is cool, but why are they here? Like, this is Natalie Portman. I, I know her name was supposed to be like Jane Foster or whatever, and Edward Norton was supposed to be Bruce Banner, but it still seemed a lot like Edward Norton. <laughs> and then, of course, he didn't stick with the series. So that was a little disappointing, but... Um, if they if they had just gone in the other direction earlier, and not, not, they had to learn from the experience to know that um, they wanted to do things differently after that, but it still seemed odd that they would go with who they did for those roles when they could have maybe found somebody less distracting who seemed more like the actual person they were portraying and less like, oh, it's Natalie Portman and Edward Norton. Yeah, the whole I love Edward Norton, but Same. I was definitely disappointed in the original Hulk movie. Yeah. Um I wasn't 100% on board with Mark Ruffalo. Like I didn't mind it, but it wasn't one of those that I was like, yeah, that's perfect. He I can't think of anybody else who I'd rather play until the most recent Avengers movie. Mm. Like he really sold when he was like like fighting with himself as Hulk or whatever. Like he really sold that for me. I found that very well played. Mm. So that was when I was like, okay, no, I can see it. Mm. Um. Oh, okay. Maybe any of those movies where the girl feels like, oh, I'm just unattractive and I, I wear these thick black rim glasses. Like, and she's all that or something. She actually, I thought did a good job with um, being all sassy and, independent and doesn't care what people think. Um, but it also does seem kind of weird when, you know, they put on a dress and they've magically transformed into this hot thing. You know? Oh, you mean the pretty ugly girl? Yeah. That's what I like to call them when they're pretty to begin with. And then they remake them into the pretty girl. And it's like, really? Yeah. yeah I think the only one that in she, even she was pretty, the only movie I've ever seen with one of those like remake things that I was like, Okay, that's a legit difference was Anne Hathaway in the Prince in um Princess Diaries. Yeah. Like she had the crazy hair and she had you know the glasses or whatever and you definitely saw a difference when they straightened her hair yeah. versus when it was all crazy poofy. Yeah. But like most of the rest of them all they do is like their hair's pulled back in a weird like artist kind of style um and they have big glasses that's all I'm thinking about the campy Batman movies like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and I would have liked to see a, a Robin that was not as much of a pain in the neck as Chris O'Donnell was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze that was interesting uh, I thought I mean for him fully embracing that role that was that was okay uh, with Poison Ivy being Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman did okay. 
I did not really like how crazy they made Two-Face or how much like the Joker they made Riddler. They could have just let Joker be Joker and Riddler could have been cold and calculating and smarter than everyone in the room. But instead they made him wacky. And it's partly because it was Jim Carrey and he's got to be wacky. It's the 90s. Um, but still, like that, that didn't feel as satisfying as it could have been. Because I thought Val Kilmer was okay as Batman. Mm-hmm. Even George Clooney was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, what character in a movie could have been great? I'm trying to think. How would that relate to line dance? The actor the cast didn't fit in the role. I don't know. That gets a little mean. I'm trying to think if like there were any dances that were thrust upon a person who does not have that as their strength. But I don't really want to. I don't want to get into that. Would you agree? I can't think of anything that like line dance related. Yeah, I'll just move on from that one. I don't really want. Well, I don't know. Are there any themes? No, even then, I don't want to name names. Okay, number 74. What game have you spent the most hours playing? Oh, God, probably Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. When that came out, I was just glued. Even Kingdom Hearts. I played Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2 quite a bit, but I feel like I lived in San Andreas as well as probably Vice City for Grand Theft Auto Vice City and to a, a, a strong extent as well Grand Theft Auto 3. And then I would also say some of the WWE SmackDown games for PlayStation, but because there were so many of them, I probably hopped around among them more, whereas San Andreas was just San Andreas. Um, okay, video games. Definitely Kingdom Hearts, definitely Mass Effect, definitely Halo. Um... I probably have more hours clocked in Donkey Kong Country than I would care to admit. Um, oh, Super Mario 3, if we're going that old. Mass Effect, Halo, Skyrim. I clocked a lot of hours in Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And I clocked so many that I had maxed out... Most of my stats, I had, um, I was a leader of almost every single guild there possibly was. I had done so many side missions and explorations, and I still had yet to progress the storyline by fighting my first dragon. Hmm. And that's like one of the first things you're supposed to do. So I was probably at some ridiculous 100 plus hours at that point. Um... As for line dance related, that's a tough one. Well, there are probably some crossover dances that you started doing in the bars and you've still been doing since you've been... Definitely moves like Jagger. Yeah, I was thinking that as well for you. Probably Chill Factor also, if you did it back in the day. Actually, no. Chill Factor was relatively new for me. I learned... Like Dizzy, it was weird. um, Chill Factor, Dizzy, and Four on the Floor... At twi- at um, trade winds, so right before, pretty much you. But because I was sick and tired of sitting them out, so I finally started learning them. Dizzy was one that took me forever. Even like it was like first Vegas kind of thing is when I f- finally picked up Dizzy. I'd learned it several times, but for whatever reason, I kept getting lost. 
Um, yeah, but moves like Jagger I've been doing since the bars that I've learned it in. And then there are others like Country Girl Shake It for me where we did them a lot back in the day probably, but we haven't done them very much since because we don't really hear that song where we are. Yeah, I was going to say certainly like Electric Slide and Watermelon Crawl and God Bless Texas and Alley Cat and those ones that are very old school to our area. Um, the difference for those uh, difference with those for me is that I don't do them if I don't if I'm not like helping somebody learn them I just typically don't do God Bless Texas I don't either but I got roped into it last Thursday so it's still (laughs) one I do so um oh my god no and I I got something oh the electric slide I think it was I got roped into doing the electric slide at Stoney's too when I went there for uh, chicken's birthday and we were staying till the end they all like rushed out there to do it and then everybody just kind of stood there looking around and I was like what okay so I, I got onto the floor walked them through four walls and then by that point they had it so I was like all right I'm out um but yeah because um, I remember Elise when I got off the floor she goes I just said that you were a better person than I was because you went on that floor and you did the electric slide with them. I was like, they look like they wanted to do it. I was like, I can't leave someone hanging like that. Um, And then afterwards, they all looked like they were having a blast once I got off the floor. So I was like, okay, it was worth it. Um, I don't have to dance the whole dance. Um, So yeah, the electric slide and uh, God bless Texas, I'm still roped into doing. Uh, Generally speaking, it's not one that I do by choice. Um, unless it's one of those rare occasions that I'm somewhere bar wise that I don't know a lot of the dances, then I will take every opportunity I can to give every ounce of energy I have to dancing. Um, do you think people in the metric world say things like I'd give every liter of energy? I don't kill a jewel. I don't know what they do over there. I, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Um, I've definitely put in my share of hours on Rachel slash uh, Masters in Line dances. Definitely put in quite a few times on that. Trying to think. Mine might be dizzy because I did learn it early on and I still enjoy doing it. Yeah, I can't think of anything else right now. All right, and number 75. What's the most comfortable bed or chair you've ever been in? It's probably been one of the hotels we've stayed at. Oh, man, they know what they're doing. Oh, what was it? Oh, the one in Corning, I think. Was that the one that was, like, laying on a cloud? Best Western? I think it was. I don't know. There was was one that was just, like, you laid on it, and you just sunk into it all around you. Hmm. Fantastic. I'm actually lucky because for a time, and I should probably figure out how I did it and just rebuild it. For a time, I had some cushions in my room stacked in such a way that I could fall face down into them and not feel any recoil and just sink. From a standing height, face down, no catching myself, and it was totally comfortable. 
Now I think I removed one layer and it's a little too solid for me to do it. So I should I should figure out how to get that back because that was that was good stuff. And it's it's always nice when you have access to that um, as close as your own bedroom. Okie dokie. Well, with this question number seventy five, we're gonna take a break and see how many hours remain on the uh, allotted number that Buzzsprout gives us each month. Thank you for listening for this time being, and we will catch you in a bit. Hello and welcome back to Lion Dance Podcast with Megan Marcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. We are continuing with our very long list, 350 good questions to ask. Starting now with number 76, what's the craziest conversation you've overheard? Oh, I definitely can't specify like certain conversations I've overheard, but I've definitely walked in on a couple conversations at very awkward moments and um, very uh, needing of subtext (laughs) and clarification on things because it didn't sound right. Um, I generally try not to overhear people's conversations. Sometimes it's it's unavoidable because some people do um, speak rather loudly when they're in certain conversations. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I really can't think of, like, a craziest conversation I've overheard. Yeah, nor I. Uh, especially line dance related. People tend to keep it pretty clean. Uh, yeah, events, Socials, bars even. I can't really think of anything that crazy that I would have overheard. All right, number 77. <clears throat> What's the hardest you've ever worked? Yikes. Do something crazy. That Learning that dance originally was with you in uh, the classroom at Ives. And for whatever reason, I could not get those steps down to the point where I was so frustrated I had to leave for about 15 minutes um, to recollect myself and then came back to it, got the basis of the steps down, and then I solidified them with Guyton Monday's Teach at Vegas. But yeah, Do Something Crazy was uh, definitely the dance that made me work the hardest to learn. Hmm. I continue to work hard on Harden Up Princess because <laughs> I keep forgetting it and then trying to come back to it. That and Woman Up, for some reason, I, I don't know if I just don't do them often enough or there are some weird turns that my brain likes to get lost on. Those two, I lose and then get back just in time for some event and then lose again. Uh, for first teaches, Poetry in Motion, when I tried to teach myself in an airport on the way to some event, <clears throat> that one was very weird without a video. Um, have fun go mad. Took a few tries. Definitely. Mm, there's a third one. More dessert. Also in the Ives 80 classroom. That one felt like a bit of a chore because of the weird turns in part A. Shaking my head was a little tricky. I'm not entirely certain that I do it fully correctly. Mm, pump it. Pump it was tricky. There were some that were on my list for a long time that stayed on my list. Oh my good lord. NYC Funk. We got it in a parking lot. We got it back later. 
We don't have it. <laughs> uh, razor Sharp was difficult, and we did eventually get that, but NYC Funk, which we tried to do that same night, something about it, I don't know. Too many wall changes, maybe? What about choreography? What's the hardest we've worked to try to choreograph something? London kept kicking our butts to the point where we never finished it. That one was, like, disheartening. <laughs> Just, like, why can't we get this? Rich comes to mind. That one, in choreography-wise, because Can't Walk Away was, like, easy. Like, that dance just unfolded itself. It was, like, what, an hour, maybe two tops choreography. Um, But Rich was a nightmare. (laughs) You had those first eight counts, and I fell in love with them, and I jumped on board with it, and... We spent, gosh, so much time coming up with eight counts and showing each other and it not working out because the other person didn't, it didn't feel right to them. Um, It pulled too much or it didn't stop in time or, you know, whatever the reason being, we, we, neither one of us liked the other person's ideas, Um, didn't feel right to the point where we had to wait, what, walk away for almost two weeks, maybe three almost. And, like, I made sure specifically not to even listen to the track because I wanted, when I came back to it, I wanted it to be as if I heard it for the first time. We finally came back to it, and then we busted it out, and it's still not perfect. There's still a few things that we need to iron out some kinks with, but we have 99% of the dance, which is nice. It's just figuring out those those two little things that we really want to is this what we want to do here is this what the dance calls for um so yeah rich is definitely one of them um ain't nothing better was a little easier it still feels like they're a little merp. couple couple things that like the rock recover feedback we got from joe but i mean it, it feels a little smoother rich still has actual significant things that need to be sorted out that whole third eight count with the run, run, run. I don't know. It just isn't happening every time I try. Yeah, which is sad because it hit so nicely the first time we did it. And it was so much fun. And that we fell in love with it. And then, yeah, we had to figure that out a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. There was one other one that was coming to mind. And then... One that felt like work was Mess's Mine. I was like, yeah. Mess's Mine was definitely a mess. <laughs> Um, but that one was also challenging because we were choreographing it while we were also teaching and hosting our night at Hot Monk. So we were switching modes so much that it really was hard to really find a flow for either teaching or choreographing. And it didn't help that I was also sick at the time. So yeah, that one was a mess. I can definitely say... I think the easiest dance that came to us was I Want to Spoon. That one came out really quickly. Um, I think you were typing up a step sheet for a different dance at the time, and I had come up with a good chunk of it, and then you played with the remaining chunk, and it just kind of like fell into our laps. Um, So I definitely think that one was one of the easiest ones we've done. Um, but yeah, definitely worked hard on that one. Um, 
trying to think of like hardest teach or like the most I've worked teaching wise. Um, I mean, cause I, I, I work really hard when it comes to teaching. I try my best to have like good dances that I think my crowd would like as well as understanding like where the tags or restarts might be or where the count in is, how fast I should teach it, where I think they might be tripping up. Um, I know I watch like your lessons to see what they kind of struggle with to gauge what, where I should focus on mine. Two that I would cite for you. There was a night when I wasn't there, but I was sick and you covered all the teaches with Jeff at hot monk. And another one was all the prep work you did for Stagecoach because you were digging and digging and digging for country dance, country music line dances that the people at Stagecoach would like and maybe the people in SoCal would take with them into the bars. Yes, I went through, I, th- I believe it ended up being almost 300 pages in the improver category, I believe it was, on Copper Knob. And I found like four dances total two of which I submitted both by Darren <laughs> um holler back and action those are the two that I submitted for stagecoach and it's cool because I'm really really excited I got to teach holler back or no I ended up teaching bullfrog on a log but um I got to dance holler back with someone who took that and is now teaching it at his places in SoCal, which is exactly what I was hoping would happen, is that someone would find these dances, enjoy them, and want to take them back to their place in which they teach. Um, And yes, definitely the night that I covered all the teaches. I mean, I used to do all the teaches at Twin Oaks, and I used to do all the teaches at Tradewinds, too. Um, fortunately we no longer do trade wins and you also, fortunately you have, uh, been willing to share the teaching responsibility with me at Twin Oaks. So that's nice. That's taken some uh, pressure off. I'd have to say, um, trying to think, um, DJ wise, there was one night, um, I think I, I was playing a whole bunch of classic country for a person's 80th birthday party with some possibility of line dancing thrown in. And for that, I was doing some cross-disciplinary stuff where I was looking on Spotify for songs that I play on guitar as my classic country set for a crowd of you know 70 and 80-year-old people who would recognize very different country musicians than the bar scene where we dance so that was that was something like trying to keep that going keep the flow going not run out of songs um, there have been nights at Twin Oaks when I've done the whole shuffling between making sure Betsy is dancing enough as well as Leah so that she can help us stretch out the number of dances we can do total um, try not to overwork you because I know you can help out with you know dancing with Leah or or with Betsy but if it's all on you then you you die so (laughs) I try not to kill you I appreciate the no dying um yeah I know I definitely know that there are certain nights at Twin Oaks and at Hot Monk that I work harder than other nights um and some of those nights include the nights where 
we're trying to keep the night going and get everybody's requests, but um, they have a hard time remembering how the dances start or how they go, or there's only one or two people out there. And so you want to show them that there's a fuller floor. So I know there's several nights specifically at Hot Monk that um, in addition to my teaching, I'll be out on the floor on the mic calling out the steps. Um, and I, I, you know, I do that a lot with um, some of the main ones that I'll call out will be like Lonely Drum and 1159. Uh, some of the other ones I've called out has been uh, Going Ham by Trevor. And I'm trying to think. I mean, some of the ones that I've taught before as well. Um, I call out Sweet Caroline every time because I've tried it like the one time and they still request it, but they have a hard time with the B part. Um, so maybe I should just teach that again. <laughs> Might help. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of um, what we do and how much work we put into our nights that we host and teach at Twin Oaks and Hot Monk. It's, it's something that I sometimes I'm not always prepared for when I go into it in the sense of like how much work it's actually going to be because sometimes I'm like yeah I'm gonna teach all these dances and then I see the crowd and go just kidding now what am I gonna teach them and I have to like reassess my night on the fly um that's generally when we have a whole bunch of first timers so I revert back to you know my uh staple dances are like Love You More, Bullfrog on a Log, K's for Kicks, um, stuff like that, that I've taught so many times now that like it's just second nature. Um, takes me two seconds to go, okay, this one starts with a walk, 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 kick. Okay, gotcha. This one starts with the point touch, side touch. Gotcha. You know, um, and they seem to enjoy that as opposed to it's been nice the last couple nights that we've had our hosting. Uh, we've been able to bring in new dances, which has been nice and exciting and I'm sure refreshing for some of our regular attendees, especially now that some of them are coming to both nights. So there's a little bit more um, variety for them. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, we do a lot of work generally prepping for events. I think this is one of the few events that we've done the least prep for coming up, which is going to be Pike's Peak Line Dance. Last, followed by Northwest. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pike's Peak Line Dance or Bust, and then Northwest Line Dance Blast, back-to-back weekends. And we have done very, very little prep for dances. I think I'm excited to see what just kind of unfolds at Pike's Peak. I might learn one or two certain dances for Northwest. I definitely need to learn Amy and Darren's Four Leaf Clover for Northwest. That is certainly on my list. Um, But generally speaking, we do a lot of prep work for who's going to the events and which dances we might think they need, you know, um, they might play. And when was the last time we danced them? Do we need to refresh them? Is there new ones we need to learn because we're going to help so-and-so demo or stuff like that? We definitely put in a lot of thought and effort into that. So, yeah, I mean, and even even with the this podcast, you do a lot of work with the editing. And, and we do the idea of, like, what we're going to come up with and talk about. And then there's the actual working part where we get to just ramble but it's still work um 
I guess that's definitely one of those things where it falls under the category, if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. So I don't quite believe that you don't work a day in your life, but it doesn't feel as much of a chore. So yeah, I mean, that's that, I think that's one of the great things about how much we love line dances. It's very much a passion as opposed to just a hobby for us. Physically, most consecutive dances we've done, definitely the marathon. We have a whole reflection episode about doing a scheduled nine hours, but closer to eight hours probably, of just straight dancing. And we made sure that the, the playlist included dances that we like, and also ones that we pretty well knew so that we couldn't you know fake it as much as like oh well i don't really know this one so i don't have to put that much into it like we would have to do it at least enough to know that yes we know this dance because some of it was just refreshing our memories like if we if this gets played at an event how many walls are we going to have to twiddle our thumbs for before we figure out oh yeah it's that that one that has this step in it so it's good to keep that fresh in the memory but it's very tiring (laughs) Many hours, few breaks. I wouldn't recommend it. <clears throat> Maybe fewer hours. Number 78. What movie, picture, or video always makes you laugh no matter how often you watch it? Oh, I have a go-to for this. There's a couple different ones. Um, so, The Baby Panda Sneeze on YouTube is definitely one that makes me laugh. Again. Um, there is a video on YouTube of a baby and in the background the dad is making this like boing sound effects and the child's laughter is so contagious to me that I cannot avoid laughing it takes me all of like two laughs for this kid like he's just he's laughing deep from within his toes which one is a huge thing but two it also has a nostalgic thing because that's how my brother Kelton laughs so my my little brother as a baby laughed the same way as this this kid does so it's like a double thing for me but even now today even when Kelton's laughing like I cannot not laugh um I know which one you're going to say, so I'm not going to say it because that one makes me laugh too. Um, But I definitely, for smiling purposes, um, there are some that also make me laugh as well. But I love watching like um, Baby Otter's Bath Time or something like that. I think it's just, it's too cute. Um... Yeah, I'll let you say the other one. Sail cat. Yep. Yep. That is my absolute go-to. Just a few seconds of pure joy. Uh, so yeah, look up sail cat. <clears throat> also, it's been a while since I've seen it, but maybe the duck song, which was more of a recent discovery, and it was something that I played for my nephew uh, around Christmas time once. Ow. Oh. Definitely, this would be one of those of the two clones, which is the real one, like secret cheat codes for Christopher. Hastily made Cleveland tourism video one and two. I highly recommend those. And every single time they get me. They are right there with Sailcat in my vault of 
just joy <laughs> uh, without fail. Sailcat, those two. Uh, sometimes, depending on my mood, Charlie the Unicorn. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a mood base, but Charlie's up there with me. Also, um, Charlie bit my finger. Okay, and it really hurt too. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, also, llamas with hats. Yeah, it it depends on my mood, but llamas with hats, which is made by the same people who did uh, Charlie the Unicorn. And I thought there was another one. There might be. Oh, you know. Um, what I'm really enjoying right now, courtesy of Elliot Marr, thank you very much for the recommendation, is all of the pitch meeting videos from Screen Rant. Uh, I, I recommend the entire series. It, it, you will binge the, the what, three seasons that they've had of it if you like one of them. <clears throat> and this is including movies where, where they have pitches for, like, the Emoji movie and Boss Baby and just silly stuff like that. Things I've never seen the movie for, but... I just like the series so much that I had to watch the pitch meeting for it. Oh, uh, there might be more. Did you have more? Um, this is going to be very, very messed up, and it tells you everything about me. Um, the ones with the like cats versus kids, or dogs versus kids, or anything that the animals like randomly attack the children or knock them over or you know stuff like that where like the kid doesn't obviously get hurt but it's still really funny when the cat comes flying out of nowhere and just like jumps on the kid or you know the dog takes the kid out and just you know sweeps his feet out from underneath them and he lands on his tushy but yeah those definitely make me laugh uh, there's an entire subreddit on reddit called children falling over <laughs> might be your cup of tea as far as line dance uh, movie picture or video I have a feeling if I were to open up the video of Jill running across the dance floor yes. screaming during skiffle time, I, yes. I would probably uh, experience an endorphin rush or something along those lines for that. So much yes on that. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Um, I, I certainly laugh every time I see that. Primarily at her, but secondarily at my reaction, because she actually startled me when she ran behind me. So... I also enjoy seeing John putting flair on things like hold your horses, syncopated rhythm, things of that nature. Oh, and also I like watching you and Jono play on things like Skiffle Time. Even if I don't always feel like having done six dances in a row, that's the best time for me to dance it. <laughs> uh, I at least will be able to enjoy the corner of my eye where the two of you are playing. Like in How I Want You as well. All right. What artist or band do you always recommend when someone asks for a music recommendation? Ooh. Hmm. I definitely would have had more of those before. Now I've only been really listening to line dance music for three years or so. But uh, before it probably would have been Bright Eyes, Arcade Fire. Uh, I'm sure there are more. Because there's like bands that are my favorites or artists that are my favorites but not necessarily ones I would recommend for other people for them to express what their feelings are um, but I remember those two were a couple of my favorites where I, I thought they needed a little more love 
So this one is a very, very, very weighted question for me because for five years, I was a manager at a movie and music store. So I have some like unheard of groups of, you know, that, you know, no one knows about. And then I have like the main popular ones and then the ones that have become popular over time that I just heard about you know, before everybody else did. Um, but I'm very particular about what I recommend to who. And I generally base it off of what they already like. So for instance, if you're a country fan, I wouldn't necessarily turn around and recommend 30 seconds to Mars, even though that's one of my favorite groups. Um, But if you're along the lines of, you know, that genre, that would definitely be one that I recommend. Um, Some of the ones that I definitely like to listen to, um, Trombone Shorty. He's got a very unique sound and I love his stuff. Um, Aloe Black is another one that I think a lot of people in the line dance community at least know of now. Um... Some of the ones that I've really, really enjoyed over the time, besides like um, 30 Seconds to Mars, but is uh, the Boxer Rebellion. Um, they're uh, very heavily in the UK, but they have some really fun and interesting tracks. Um, not necessarily line danceable tracks, but still really interesting music. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, like, really. Oh, there's, uh, I can't think of his name right now. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Oh, oh, one of, one of my favorite things I've ever done, uh, recommending someone to some, to uh, recommending a group or person or artist or whatever to someone was when I recommended Buddy Guy to my brother. I bought him the vinyl record because my brother was in the process of um, collecting vinyls and I was like you know what my brother has some really unique tastes and he has a very wide range like me um, and I really appreciate Buddy Guy's music I'm gonna buy him this for Christmas and then since then my brother's been to a few of his concerts and has just really liked him so um, I'm certainly more more cautious when it comes to recommending because I don't want to be like, oh, you're going to love this band and then them hate that because one, I feel awful about recommending it and two, I don't want anybody to hate the bands I like. So, you know, I I definitely make sure to do stuff like that. Um, Anybody who wants some fun, upbeat, like, you know, swing style music, I definitely recommend uh, Lee Presson and the Nails. Uh, they got some really good tracks, um, some fun covers. They definitely they. It's interesting because it's one of my least favorite songs, but it's one of my f- really close friends' favorite songs. They do a cover of the Pink Elephant Parade from Dumbo. It's very interesting. Um, one of my favorite covers uh, is by Mir Bis- by Mir Miss Duchesne. Um, that they do. But yeah, that's definitely another group. I'm trying to think of some of the other like random ones that nobody really knows about or is a little bit more under the radar. 
another tricky thing with recommendations is that it's easy sometimes to recommend a song, but it's harder to say, yeah, listen to this artist and they will consistently give you lots of tracks that you will like. Because I've liked tracks by The Shins and Radiohead and, and Neutral Milk Hotel, but that might that might lead them in a, um, a very strange direction depending how many older albums they listen to and what some of their non-biggest hits are. Uh, th- they might think, what were what were you trying to get me to listen to? Like, why, why do you not like me anymore? Making me put noise in my ears. Uh, I think one thing that I could probably say for giving people an idea of the, the sound that might give them other recommendations is like, let's say you pull on your Pandora or your Spotify, two stations based on artists that I have consistently gotten lots of great music from are and these are again I'm in, I'm in a safe environment so I can I can divulge my secrets but um, there was one there was one year when I was um, dating somebody and I, I would put on a lot of Nora Jones Pandora uh, which then could also apply to like Nora Jones Spotify now that doesn't mean you're going to hear all Nora Jones music but it's going to give you that kind of like smoky, jazzy, romantic feel of music uh, by other artists. And while I was listening to Nora Jones' Pandora, a lot of Ray LaMontagne songs came up. That was another one I was just thinking of. Yeah, and then I started listening to his radio station and artists like him, and again, lots of good stuff. Now, some of the artists that pop up because of him, like Damien Rice, they do have like three tracks, for example, that I really like. But I don't know if I do. I've tried radio stations based on Damien Rice, and I don't get that same consistency. Or like I like a couple of tracks by Eric Hutchinson. Uh, he's the, For line dancers, he's the person who did the song Bored, uh, for Bored, Bored to Death. Um, <clears throat> he's also done uh, a couple of my favorite songs, All Over Now, and... Um, uh, I think, was it Rock and Roll? She's been da-da-da for the weekend. Yeah, I think it's Rock and Roll. Anyway, something like that. Um, he's one that I don't... I, I've tried doing a radio station off of, and it 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 does... It, it gives me a lot of skips, you know? Things I want to just kind of, well, keep moving. Ray LaMontagne, though. Ray LaMontagne and Nora Jones are like, you know, mom and pop of sexy, smooth, jazzy uh, Pandora and Spotify recommendations for me. So some of the other ones I've I've definitely recommended to people is Alabama Shakes, um, Anya Marina. Oh yeah, she's got such a cool sound. She has a cover of Ti's "Whatever You Like" that is so sexy, but I can't do a line dance to it because it's also a little foul. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, what are some of the other ones? I just picked? oh Birdie, mm. Birdie. She's the one who does Skinny Love. Um, I have listened to her for years, and I absolutely love her. There's the Boxer Rebellion. Oh, you're still up in the bees. This is going to be a little while. I know, and I just just messed up. But um, oh, I'm a big fan of 90s pop-ish, like emo rock. So like Blink-182 is a big one for me. All-American Rejects. Like um, Yellow Card, oh, yeah. Ocean Avenue. Yes. Uh, way, was it way away? I think it's oh my gosh, Ocean Avenue! Like my sister can tell you, like that was in our cars forever. Oh, and 
only one that song melts me by them. There's strings that they use in that are just like um, something corporate. That was definitely one that if you liked those kind of music, um, cake. Mm. I love cake. <laughs> yeah, they do uh, a cover of the song Perhaps, 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 yes. uh, which was the theme song for the, the UK show Coupling. And the way they do it, I like. I mean, I like the original as well, but I, I really like the way they put a little bit of roughness on it. Yeah. yeah, that was actually the first song I heard from them. I was working at our local ice arena. Some of y'all might know it as Snoopy's Ice Arena. Um and I was working during their Christmas show, and someone had a figure skating routine set to that track, and I fell in love with them, and I had to research them, and I found them, and I love that one. Um, Stick Shifts and Safety Belt is another one. It talks about how um, uh, stick shifts and safety belts and bucket seats all get in the way. Oh, boy. <laughs> when all he wants to do is put his arm around his baby, basically. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, if you like country, Christian Kane, he is actually an actor and also a country singer. And I originally f- saw him as an actor on the TV show Angel. And then when I saw, I don't know how we how it happened, but I think the U, a used CD of his came through um, at Fye. Um, and it's called House Rules. And he is awesome. I love him. Um, there's a lot of really good ones out there. And we have like some classics like The Cure and stuff like that. Um, I like the whole episode on recommendations. We've, right? I'm just kind of. Oh, Ellie Golding. She's got a unique sound. Um, we'll just. Oh. Apparently you go. You scrolled past one that I would recommend, or maybe it just looked like it. Taylor Swift's album "Speak Now." I can recommend every single song off of that album as one that you should listen to and think about. Yes, I was like, yeah, definitely that one. Um, I'm not going to mention that one because I am working on choreographing a dance to her right now, and I don't want you guys to know about it. Um, <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, Talking Heads, especially their album "Lincoln," and. Oh, the one that has, um, it's the one, one of their newer ones, but definitely Lincoln, uh, as one of the albums, let me pull it up, Talking Heads Albums. Uh, Lincoln is one where I like pretty much everything off of it. Uh, let's see what we're looking at here. Oh, wait a second. Talking Heads. Uh, definitely Talking Heads as well, but which one am I thinking? Oh, They Might Be Giants. They Might Be Giants Albums. Uh, Talking Heads, I like Psycho Killer and Once in a Lifetime. But as far as uh, They Might Be Giants goes, definitely Lincoln was uh, one of... Ah, The Else in 2007. Uh, I recommend pretty much every song off of that album as well. And there might be one more... Oh, uh, The Fingertips Collection off of whichever album that is, Apollo 11 or Apollo something. Um, That's a good one. Apollo 18. I thought it was Apollo 18. Um... And, and uh, I think Flood was the other one, along with Lincoln, that has a couple that I really like. Birdhouse in Your Soul, Lucky Ball and Chain. Then there's some that you can skip. There are a lot, actually, on this album that I, you can skip. But anyway, they might be Giants Lincoln. G-Love and the Special Sauce. I know something by them. I don't know why. Yes. 
He, I don't, can't remember what you'd probably know of him, him but um, now if you know any of the next three artists that I'm about to mention, check out the other two. Ingrid Michaelson, Linka, and Imogen Heap. Those three kind of, if you like any one of their sounds, you will most likely like the other two. Um, that's certainly another one that I highly recommend. I don't think any of them get enough credit for what they do. Imogen Heap is the one who does that song, uh, Hide and Seek, for people who used to watch The O.C. or anything like that. Um, Lenka does the show or enjoy the show or something like that. I'm just a little girl caught in the middle. The... Anyway, uh, and then Ingrid Michelson's got a ton of stuff. She always comes up on my Spotify recommendations. Uh, the Lumieres. Oh, Lumineers? Lumineers, yeah, thank you. They, what did they do? Hey-ho or something? Ho-hey? Something like that. Oh. Uh, or are they the ones that did... Uh, da, 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 hey! Or is that somebody else? I can't think of that right now. I just know that I like them. Um, a little bit on the crass side in a lot of their music. Very explicit on some of them, but very different is Metric. Um, if you ever have a chance to see them in concert, I highly recommend Paramore. Um, and oh my gosh, I just lost who else I was thinking about. Um, oh my gosh, they're the ones, oh, I'm so fired right now. They're the ones that do the song for 11-11 mashup. Oh, you know, I was just thinking you were probably either thinking of Panic at the Disco or Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy, thank that you. Is. I kept wanting to say Foo Fighters, like that is not correct. <laughs> um, just because I love him, Michael Bublé. Yeah. Um, yeah, there. I mean, there's so many different p- people out there. Um, there's your Nora Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is kind of a uh, related recommendation, but watch any of the music videos by OK Go which I saw come across your screen, because they have some really good ideas. Just real odd, is this real life? Could a person do this? Oh, apparently they can, kind of music videos. If you like easy, smooth, um, kind of just almost a jazz, but not quite a jazz sound, um and you want to try something different, check out Robert Downey Jr.'s CD. Interesting. I like, I like his sound. But it's definitely, it's very easy listening kind of style. It's not anything upbeat. It's not anything that I, I mean, I've listened to it so many times that I don't think I could say, like, there's a song I could choreograph to by him. Um, another actor slash singer has a group. Uh, Zoe Deschanel has a group called She and Him, something you can check out. Uh, oh, and she also has uh, a really pretty cover of Baby It's Cold Outside with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, she does. Gosh, I love them. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody that's not like, you know, obviously like Train or Tim McGraw or, oh, yeah, the Beatles, right? Exactly. Um I think that's about it for right now for what I could think of just by quickly perusing my old albums. That doesn't include anything that I've looked at or added to on Spotify. 
But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that you could talk about recommending. If you like A, then check out B. But um, definitely, I would I would have to say my top three would be the Ingrid Michaelson, Linka, and Imogen Heap. I think right now, now that I've kind of covered a bunch of them, just because I love Ingrid Michaelson and for uh, for country music, um, Brad Paisley has the most clever lyrics I think I've ever heard. I agree. I definitely agree. It's hard to recommend country for me because they're all so good, in my opinion. Um, they all have such different sounds. Um, I can say one of my favorite country songs ever is The Race Is On by Sawyer Brown. And I've definitely been enjoying teaching Barroom Romeo and using the track Romeo by Dolly Parton and... Oh, heavens. There's so many people in that. I can't even like think of everybody. I think... Um, Billy Ray Cyrus is in it as the other voice. I think Kathy Mateus is in it and a few other very old school country ladies. You know, it would be a good 351st uh, question on this list is what can you talk for over an hour about? Because <laughs> I don't think we've hit a full hour, but I'm sure we could get there just on this one question. Yeah, because we started with number 76 and this was question... 79 and we pretty much skipped the conversation one um definitely focused on this one a lot do you have any other thoughts before we go on to number 80 all right if you could have an all expenses paid trip to see any famous world monument which monument would you choose and for me line dance wise i want to see where they do um it's i think it's norbreck hotel where they do the boots, crystal boots, and um, world dance masters. I don't know. They all look very similar on lines. I've never been to any of them. But anyway, those big hotels uh, where they do the the fancy stuff in the in the ballroom uh, with like arches and things. That would be one of my line dance places. Definitely line dance place wise, I would want to visit um, where they hold the crystal boot awards. For sure. I, I really would love to attend the Crystal Boots one year. That is a, a bucket list item, I'd have to say. Um, you already got to see the uh, Shrine of Joe in Colorado, where she has all her costumes and uh, memorabilia. Yeah, um, I've definitely visited Joe's costume, air quotes, room. We'll leave it at that. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I've definitely already been to Joe's house, so I can check that off my list. Uh, so that's cool. So now that I think about it, we've, and we've been to Michael and Michelle's, and we've been to Amy's. Granted, we went to Amy's old house, not her new house yet. I want to go to where Rachel films all these videos that she's been doing in her DVDs forever. Um, yeah, that would be cool. You got to see the living room where Joe does hers. I got to dance in the living room. Where Joe does hers. And Anna taught me a dance in that same living room. So I'm very spoiled. Um, and I will admit that. Now I'm, that was that was quite an experience. I think that was actually like roughly this time last year. Because I think... Um, I think the way the time works out, it's either... Oh, it's in another day or two. Because my On This Day um, was about Joe teaching Can't Walk Away today. So I won't have... 
won't have visited her house yet this time last year. It'll be another day or two. So, yeah, it's been a little while, almost a year, but still definitely it was worth the trip, and I was very blessed that she was such a gracious host. Um, I wouldn't mind visiting where Maddie teaches in Australia. Oh, yeah, that looks like a good time. Right? Yeah, it looks like they have a lot of fun there, and it looks like there's a lot of stuff on the walls that it would definitely take me a minute to walk around and look at. Um, that would be cool. I'm trying to think of like where else like really comes to mind, and I'm drawing a blank on a few other spots that I've seen. I wouldn't, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind traveling anywhere outside of the U.S., even in the U.S., but mostly outside the U.S., because I have traveled so much in the U.S. at this point, um, that anywhere they hold a line dance function outside the U.S., I think that would be really cool to fly out to. Um, It's already in process of our plans for the future to try and figure out how to make that happen, but um, if somebody else was paying for it, that would be even better. (laughs) Let's all not pretend that that's a thing. All right, next up, if animals could talk, which animal would be the most annoying? Anything that likes to mate a lot and wants you to mate with it. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Um, I was like, I do know I've heard this question before, and I had an answer at some point. I feel like whales or elephants might be a little annoying simply because I feel like because they're so big they'd be so slow to get to the point whereas like a chipmunk's gonna be like on rocket fuel (laughs) so I don't know I can say my dog because she would probably complain up a storm about how she was treated because she is a princess and does not get the recognition she deserves I think there are probably some floors that have been used at a lot of events that continue to be used at a lot of events that would probably be very sarcastic with us if they could talk to us. That would be funny. Scary, but funny. Number 82, what's the most addicted to a game you've ever been? Oh, coming back to uh, our video game question from earlier, I'm going to pass this to you first. Uh, well, I've definitely spent my fair share of money on um, the Kingdom Hearts series. And the reason why I say that is because I have owned it on whatever platform it has ever been available on. So on PlayStation, on PlayStation 3, um, on the PSP, I've bought it on... Uh, the PS4 when they re-released it, and yeah, that's definitely one that I've spent quite a time on and was very addicted to. Um, again, with the Donkey Kong Country, I probably have lost more sleep to that game than I care to admit. Um, I had to actually uninstall the game off my phone, and that's the Jurassic Park World Builder. Oh, God, I forgot about mobile games. Yeah, mobile games are dangerous, and I know you have a couple. (laughs) I know you have a couple. Um, 
I I definitely lost a lot of sleep on the division, which is a more recent recent game. But um, I would get online at like ten o'clock at night. I say online, but it's you know um, with a few of my friends or whatever, and we would stay up until six or seven o'clock in the morning playing this game because we wanted to do all these different missions, and it's so much more fun when there's a group of you, and yeah, video games are very consuming for me. It's where I learned that I have an addictive personality, so I have to be very careful about what I let into my life, (laughs) which is also why, as you can probably guess, line dancing is as addictive as it is. Um, at least it's healthy, right? You're getting out and socializing and being active and exercising. And so there's that much different from being addicted to video games, which does cost a lot of money. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Okay. Your turn. All right. So the easy ones that in hindsight now, cause they were going to be my answer are not that bad <laughs> are kingdom hearts one and two. And uh, the the various Grand Theft Auto games, um, I think I enjoyed three and Vice City, but I don't think they really interfered with my life. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas definitely interfered with my life when it came out because I was in college at the time, and of course, you go to class or don't, and no one really knows. So, yeah, uh, there there would be weeks when. Either I would play, 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 go to class, come back, or I would really weigh to myself because it's, you know, freshman or whatever year it was. Um, you, you ask yourself, mm, do I need to go to this or could I just find out about it later, read the book, etc.? So that one was a little bit of a problem. Um, <clears throat> mobile games. I'm trying to think, is there anything I could say other than before I get to mobile games? Okay, yeah, there's one, but I'll get to that one in a bit. All right. Um, Mobile games that I've spent money on. Yikes. Um, So there was a Doctor Who game when that came out. That was a little bit of a problem. I had to uninstall it after a while because I was getting... I could feel myself getting addicted to it. The Simpsons tapped out, which is just silly. Because it's just like like with Jurassic World, you know, thing. uh, It's a world builder game. It's like The Sims, you know, you... You get buildings, you put the buildings down, you get characters, you put the characters down, and then you don't do anything. There's no, like, mini-game, there's no fights. Like, you just look at the things that you've imported into your city, you just look at them being themselves. Like, that's it. That is it. But I put resources into that game, and I'm not proud of that. But even worse than that is Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. That caused so many problems money was one very obvious one Uh, time definitely Um, at especially at the time in my life when that was my escape it would I mean it was a lot easier to escape into that than to confront the things that I was dealing with like where where I was living at the time and who I was with at the time uh, for the majority of the day I was just so brought down by everything else besides the game that the game was a place where I could, you know, have things figured out and do things right and whatever. So Star Wars Galaxy Heroes, that one, God, that kicked my butt. Um, And again, it's not even like the game itself is that much fun, but they know how to get you with like upgrades and levels, level ups and 
all that all that stuff that psychologists work on to get you hooked on things like casino psychology. But there's also another one that has probably taken up the most time um, without taking a lot of money. And this is another one of those things that very few people know about me. It's a game called Aberroth. And I'm actually a moderator of the subreddit. Um, I think the game was probably created in like 2009, 2010. It's still going. I revisited it, you know, while I was sick and... Yeah, it's got some fun stuff to it. It's kind of like an 8-bit revival kind of game. Uh, you have swords and shields and people that you fight. And it. one of the unique things about this, though, is that with all those other games, I'm not playing with other people. With Aberroth, it's an RPG, a multi... was it? Massive multiplayer online RPG. RPG. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to say what the words were before, before reducing it to letters that nobody could decode. Um... But it's not like a popular one. It's not like World of Warcraft. I know that I would have a problem with World of Warcraft, or I would have, you know, a few years ago, which is why I never got into it. People would tell me, oh, it's so much fun. It's like the thing people are doing. I'm like, no, I know myself. I am not touching that. That is like straight up heroin. Um, so with Aberroth, it's kind of like a light version of something like that. You know, you go on quests, you get gold, you use the gold for weapons. The weapons help you fight bigger monsters, and then you level up in your skills by killing all those monsters, which then makes you better equipped to fight more monsters who are higher level, and it's all a giant treadmill and you never get off. Um, I actually, I remember, you know, nine years ago or whatever, uh, eight or nine years ago, having kind of acquaintanceship friendships with some of those people on the game, and it was nice. It was nice to look forward to when they would log on and you could go on quests together because sometimes monsters are too big for you to kill them yourselves. And I, for a time, for a good stretch of time, was like the guy with all the cool stuff in that game because I would play more than anyone else. And I would stay up late when nobody else was up so I could get all of the gold and whatever from the monsters myself. And there are some drops that are so rare that you really just have to grind and grind and grind and kill that same monster every 20 minutes for six hours to even hope to get the cool item that he drops. Later on, uh, some other characters did what's called player killing. And it, yeah, it just ruined the experience. I mean, I, it was always a part of the game, but I was always strong enough that nobody could take me down. And nobody ever really did... But it just got to be such a point of stress, like, uh-oh, uh, I better create a second account and have him open in another window, that way I can see if that character is coming. And what they would, what it does is, when they kill, or let's say, um, let's say a monster kills a strong character and takes all their gear, and now that person has to go to school or something. So now this other person comes in and kills the monster, and they take all the gear that the other player previously had. Now they have an unfair advantage because they didn't earn any of that stuff, but you know they are then strong enough to kill other players because their gear was better. And it just keeps building. They keep all the good stuff for themselves. They can kill stronger and stronger players, and you have to have like a team of friends or whatever to take that guy down. And it's just, I don't like playing other people like that. If it's a monster, it's nothing personal. It's just a program, just a game. But I don't like the idea that somebody could be that greedy and selfish and 
uncaring about your happiness, that they are willing to render all the work you did to get all those items um, worthless. Like they, they've decided that what they want is more important than what you want. And I've had nightmares about like being carjacked and uh, mugged and robbed and all that stuff. So, I mean, it makes sense that I don't like it in games either. But eventually, I I didn't like the idea in playing Aberroth of, um, of having to stress out about that anymore. And I just stopped doing it. I wanted to kind of leave on a high note. And of course, when I logged back in, I had all my great items. Uh, I, I never, I, I didn't, I didn't have to uh, start from scratch because I left when I was still strong. But nine years pass, I'm like number 120 or something on the top, on the list of top strong players or whatever. Because people have had nine years to collect good items and level up, so it's not something that I really want to continue. But when I spent time in it, I, I really, it paid off. Like I, I reaped the benefits of putting in that amount of time. Yeah. I'm definitely not a, a fan of the PVP or player versus player mode. Uh, anytime there's a way to turn that off, I do. I, I just, I don't like the idea of having to worry about some other person attacking me that, could also be an ally um because i've heard of that too and the few times i've i've done the mmorpgs i've i've certainly had that experience um i do remember there was one game that i, was, I think it's called perfect world and i was i was in a, a guild or a team or whatever however you want to word that and I know that I was in an area known to have PvP issues. And then um, there was someone who was actually attacking me. Fortunately, at that time, most of my guild members were on. And so all I did was, you know, send out the SOS and they came and they destroyed this player because... Most of the time, for the those kind of situations, I was always one of the lesser characters because I never, I was always scared of getting addicted to v- PvP or sorry PvP um, MMORPG games because I know me, and so I, I would always uninstall them, like after two weeks of me playing it because I could feel myself just starting to slip into that. Like pretty soon, I'm going to be all hours awake playing this game. Um, so there's certainly that. Um, a lot of times with the online playing mode stuff too, which is a whole totally different topic, and I've had actual research papers done and I've been interviewed for them because I am a female video game player, I generally try not to speak into the mic on any of those online players. I don't want them to know that I'm female. Generally speaking, my characters... Um, like the names I come up with, um, are generally ones that like, oh yeah, that could be a guy. Like, cause a lot of guys play as female avatars. Um, and generally speaking, my avatar's name is Diana Prince. So anybody who knows, you know, anything about anything, that's Wonder Woman's name. So it's kind of a, a nerd thing that, you know, some people will, um, just attribute to like a guy would know. Um, and so, 
I tried not to speak. And so like, you know, I'll be the healer of the group, generally speaking. I'll be the one that rushes in and revives the fallen player or whatever of the group. Then I rush out. And I still remember I played with this group of guys for hours one time um, during a Mass Effect thing on the most current one that you could play online with people with. And I remember afterwards, because they really, they were friendly guys. They were really cool. um, And they were like, they were really grateful every time I would run into the battle, revive them and run back out. Um, So at that point near the end, like when I needed to go to work, because there's a whole different story between skipping school and skipping work. I would skip school. I would not skip work. (laughs) Um, When I would need to go to work, I would, I actually at one point turned on my mic and I said, thanks for the game guys. And all of them like, were like, what? You're a chick. And so like, that was kind of like where I was like, all right. Yeah. Cause unfortunately as a female gamer, it definitely changes the dynamic when people find out you are a female gamer. Either you're the weak link or everybody wants to hit on you because you're the unicorn. And it's like, I'm done. I don't need to be either of those. Thank you. Um, Which is probably why I like line dance as much as I do because I can just be me and people just accept me. So, um, but yeah, definitely. I have certainly spent my fair share on video games and I would have to say... um, I, I, I forgot to mention one or two of them. The Prince of Persia series and Tomb Raider series. I love the puzzle aspect of those games. Definitely took a lot of my time and energy and thought process. Um, and then the more I think about it, Halo. I played Halo on Legendary so many times. And I would challenge myself to like only using certain weapons. Or um, there is there was several different times where... I wasn't, um, I was only allowed to use so many bullets in a game, so I had to sneak up on them and hit them in the back, or I could use grenades, but I could not actually shoot them unless it was like, unless like certain things like flying in the race and whatnot, you, you can't like avoid shooting those or whatnot, so, um, it's just, you have to figure out how to get to the bad guy before he gets into the flying machine, so, yeah. But um, I'll let you uh, sum up going moving on. All right. We got about 10 minutes left on our quota from Buzzsprout. And we have about 23 minutes until the cycle renews. So we'll be cutting it close. Uh, next up, number 83. What's the coldest you've ever been? Might have been when I went to Sweden. It was, uh, it was very cold. And I went in December. So sometime during that trip, I'm sure. Okay, so just in general, I'm cold all the time. Um, (laughs) I don't do well in cold weather, so the snow is not generally my friend. Um, But I do know that some ballrooms are absolutely positively like the Arctic. Um, And I know I was rather cold last year at Windy City to the point where the next night I brought down my scarf slash blanket item so I've, I've definitely come to learn to pack that item um, while traveling I can wear it on the plane so I can use it as a blanket on the plane and whatnot since it is just it's a scarf it's just big enough to also be a blanket um, and then I have that option for me at ballrooms um, 
I've definitely had the opposite experience at ballrooms too, where it's so hot. But oh, um, Florida, well, the giant fans, the giant fans that one year we were in Florida. Yeah. So um, yeah, I know that there are some ballrooms that can get really, really cold, and then there's some ballrooms that don't ever seem to cool off. So. All right. Next up is which protagonist from a book or movie would make the worst roommate? Maybe like a werewolf of some kind. Or, I don't know, maybe something that wants to eat you. I don't know. Something that wants to eat me? I don't know. Um, oh, wow. If we were trying to make it uh, line dance related, I don't think we could name names, so I guess we'll have to keep this one to the protagonist thing. I'm trying to think of like line dancers who might be... I mean, in a positive way, if John were, or if John or Jono were our roommate, I feel like we'd want to talk to them all night, and then we would never get sleep. Yeah, that's. How I, was, I was like, actually, I was thinking more along lines of like, not necessarily worst roommate, but maybe like a bad influence. <laughs> Simon. Simon comes to mind. I love you, Simon. Same. I really do. Um, but I can see getting into trouble if I was your roommate. Mm. I I could see. Yeah, I could see a lot of no sleeping because of the antics that would ensue. Um, I could see a lot of people being in our room Mm. if I was roommates with Simon. Mm. Because Simon definitely knows how to party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah, I don't really have anything more specific for a protagonist from a book or a movie. I don't know. I feel like they would all be obvious. If they're a villain, they're going to try to kill you. If they're like an animal thing, they're going to try to eat you. Um, If they're a character who lies a lot, then you have a roommate that lies a lot. Anyway, number 85. Do you eat food that's past its expiration date if it still smells and looks fine? I look at that as a best sold buy, and that's so the stores can cover their butts legally. If if it still smells fine, I trust my body. Within, Within limits. Generally speaking, no. (laughs) Um, I'm too paranoid about getting myself sick I don't like being sick I don't like it at all I am miserable when I am sick and I don't like having to still human and be nice to people when I'm sick and be patient with people so if I could just avoid that in general then I do because I'm very scared even if it smells good or tastes okay like I mean your body's really good about telling you like oh yeah this smells fine it tastes good and you start to eat and you're like mm, maybe not I think it also depends if it's like chicken versus salad salad you can look at the leaf and it's not even crushed it's fine yeah I guess there's that there's certain things but if I do it's like the day past right right that's why I say within the limits uh, but much more than that, like, I even have a hard time when it's, like, the day of. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie, we got six minutes left. Let's take a look. Uh, number 86, what is the most ridiculous thing you have bought? Anything in those stupid mobile game apps. You know, that's a really good point. I think I might have to agree. <laughs> it's like you can't hold it, you can't touch it, or, like, enjoy it in the real world. You can only look at the colors more than you would have if you didn't buy it. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with that because it's also probably what's been the most expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or, well, okay. So there was a flight that I missed when I was on my way to Sweden um, because I... 
I got there too late. I got to the flight too late and they wouldn't let me check my bags. Um, so I could either not try to check the bags or, and my parents just drove off the curb. So I couldn't call them to like bring them back so they could take one of the bags. Um, and I ended up sticking around at the airport, buying a different flight for like a thousand dollars. Cause this, this whole trip was so that I could woo my girlfriend at the time back. Um, after she had been away at study abroad for several months and it worked. I mean, it, it all worked out great and we dated for another several months after that. But I mean, in hindsight, that was so avoidable and I could have saved a lot of money by just getting there earlier. Number 87. What's the funniest comedy skit you've seen? One that I, okay. I like all of Mitch Hedberg ever. Um, but there's also one that I, I enjoy by, uh, Pablo Francisco. And it's the one where he talks about little tortilla boy. Um, so, it's, if you if you look up that part of the skit, um, I like that one from beginning to end. I like the Bill Cosby, uh, Noah, this is the Lord, okay, that that skit. And also Bo Burnham's uh, comedy specials, what, really all of them, but uh, what, make happy, and there's probably another one whose name I'm not pulling right now, but I just love Bo Burnham. So this is a little bit tricky. Um, I was really into Dane Cook when he first started out. Um, it's not necessarily one that I've gone back and listened to since then because I don't think it's as funny now. Um, I love Fluffy. Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel Iglesias. I love Fluffy. I love the 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 one he talks about how he gets pulled over from the cop and he has donuts and and he goes, "Do you know why I pulled you over?" He goes, "Cause you can smell them." <laughs> um, or when he talks about when they got pulled over and then there's a bunch of girls in a Corvette pulled over as well and then uh, somebody turns on um, the theme song from Cops you know the bad boys bad boys what you gonna do as the cop is talking to the girls in the convertible um, and uh, let's see I was going to say I am a fan of Eddie Izzard I think he is very talented in how he weaves history into his comedy. Um, oh, I draw I was drawing a blank because there was somebody else. Um, when she first hit, um, Eliza Schlesinger was really funny to me. Um, I would have to say classic comedy must see all the way through, but will destroy your childhood vision of him would be Robin Williams live on Broadway. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us today because the next question is what's the most depressing meal you've eaten? And I'm about to go home and eat. So on a budget, I think that's one to save for a later day. Uh, But thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Lion Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. And until next time, we will see you on on the the dance dance floor. floor.